Welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Tacticam. Tacticam is by far the easiest way to begin filming your hunts, whether it's the budget-friendly solo or the 4K 5.0. Tacticam has something for everyone. Um, they also have, uh, we started testing these out, the new fisheye cameras. Um, pretty cool. You can use them underwater. Um, John's going to be using them offshore. He's headed down to Florida here in the next uh couple weeks end of the month and uh, that camera is uh wi-fi enabled um wide angle camera Uh, it's got a loop mode it's got um an external power source so you can you can hardwire it um pretty slick and personally i think i'm going to use one of those on my bow um pointing back at me is like a point of view style camera um because it's got the wide angle and it's the same price as a solo. I, I personally think that that might be the the solo killer, um, but w- more to come on that one. But um, if, for you guys that are hunting and fishing, um, that's definitely one to to check out. We're also working this year with Spartan Forge. So Spartan Forge uses military intelligence, uh, artificial intelligence to track deer movement. Uh, so they've taken all these data points from all these radio collared studies from all of these colleges. Um, they've taken car deer accident and social media trail cam information and melded it all together um, to look at patterns, deer patterns, when they're moving, how they're moving, if they're sticking to their normal area, if they're going outside of that. Um, they're also adding features. Uh, this month they're adding uh, some scouting features. Uh, so be looking for that. And you can go to SpartanForge.ai. Um, and they've got a 14-day trial still up on there. So you can try it out. Two weeks are free. So if you're going out and uh, if your season's still open or if you're if you're going out and going to be doing some scouting and you want to know where these deer are going to be, um, certainly check that out. That's SpartanForge.ai. And then once that 14 days is up, you can use code BOWHUNTER to save 25% on your subscription there as well. Um, man, we've got so much stuff going on. Um, so we do these Patreon giveaways. Um, our Patreon is a crowdfunding for creators. So uh, guys that are fans of the show, that want to support, they want to see us do more things, uh, they want to see us continue to try gear, test gear, um, and give stuff away ultimately. So so right now on our Patreon, we've only got one tier. Uh, it's $5 a month, 17 cents a day to support the show. And we've got some incredible giveaways. You know, there's the, so Tacticam's giving away a 5.0 package with a Turkey Reaper. Um, and then from that, if you shoot anything with that Tacticam, they want you to send them your video. So if you win this and you shoot something with that Tacticam, you send it into them, they will post it on their social media, they will edit it up for you. All you got to do is send them the files. Um, we're giving away a full saddle kit. So from Latitudes, I've got a classic saddle. Um, uh, Artisan Outdoor, they're sending me another one of those top stick platforms. I've got a set of the XOP minis. Um, and just to round it out and probably be non-brand specific and I want to check them out. I'm probably going to order a set of the tethered ropes, the new tethered ropes. So you'll have everything that you need uh, to get into saddle hunting if that's your choice. Um, Base map. Base map gives us a 20% off code. 
so you can go on there you can get all the features that Basemap has to offer for the entire country and then by using the code chronicles online you can get it for $24 a month but Basemap is giving us uh, one of their pro packages a year subscription hat shirt the whole works um, and they're giving us one of those to give away uh, the guys from Zinger Fletches uh, if you're not familiar with them they are um, uh, 3D printed flexible uh, fletchings. They just came out with a new design that's a little bit quieter. Um, not a fob. Don't don't let them hear you say that it's a fob. Um, but they've got a set of those that we're giving away. And uh, I, I'm not sure that uh, that 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 that's it. Um, but tons of different stuff that we're giving back to our Patreons because we support them. Um, and, and guys, I forgot to, uh, do the giveaway for the hat that I said I would do in there. I'll go live by either tomorrow night or, or this weekend. Um, so we've got our own, uh, Facebook group, uh, for all the Patreons. So if you're one of the Patreons, um, and you're not on Facebook, uh, we're, giving away a hat, shoot me a message, number one through 75. That's how many we got right now. And uh, I'll I'll do the drawing and give away some hats. We got some hats and shirts and stuff like that too. And you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles Podcast or just go to bowhunterchroniclespodcast.com and you can click on the Patreon link. Outside of that, if you're not a Patreon, we're giving away a bow. This year we're giving away a fully set up uh, bow tech Zion, Carbon Zion, so it's Carbon Bow, uh, super budget-friendly bow. Um, it's a bow that I'm going to be shooting this year. We're coming out of pocket for this. This is another thing, you know, these Patreons, um, this money, this is not money that, uh, you know, we just are spending on ourselves. All this stuff is going towards, um, you know, stuff for the show, the podcast recorder that I'm recording this on right now. Um, but we're giving away a, a fully set up, Carbon's Zion with uh, HHA Rest, uh, HHA Tetra single pin sight. Um, really awesome sight. I think the sight alone is like three or $400. Um, you know, it's over $1,000 worth of stuff that we're giving you. And all you got to do is, is sign up. Um, go to, um, there's a link right now on our Instagram. And you just click on our bio and then click on the bow giveaway. Put in your email address and your name. And you're entered to win. Now, Patreons are going to get additional uh, entries. They're going to about, get about 10 times the entries. Um, we got a bunch of other giveaways coming up for um, for the second quarter. We're giving away a B-stand. Um, I've got a set of the tethered one sticks to uh, test out. Those are on the way. Uh, do a video on those. Um, give our opinion. And then Tethered said, uh, give them away. So uh, that's what we're going to do. Again, um, you can just go to our website and uh, you can check all of that information out out there. But um, if that's not for you guys, no problem, no issues not being a Patreon. Got to welcome our new Patreons, four new ones, Michigan guys, uh, Bob Storer, Ryan Regan. Ryan Regan right now is giving away one of the Berserker saddles um, on Instagram. So brand new saddle from Wild Edge and it's a Berserker is what it's called. He did a review on it, and uh, much like we're doing with the Tethered 1.6, he's giving that away. So if you go on Instagram, Saddle Hunter, Saddle, H-N-T-E-R, no U, um, he's giving away a Berserk. I think that's going to towards the end of this week, so get over and check that out. Uh, Robert McIntyre, 
uh, and Tim Waters. So Michigan guys supporting the show, entered to win all that great stuff. Um, you know, thanks for supporting us. We can't say that enough. But again, if that's not for you, no problem. Thank you for listening. Um, if you could go give us uh, a review on wherever you're listening, uh, tell us what we can do better. Um, that would be great. Uh, otherwise, just tell somebody else about the show. This episode is a bunch of great information, a bunch of very helpful information from a very uh, high caliber uh, deer hunter. Uh, one of these guys that's a perpetual killer. Um, but towards the end of the episode, it does get a little bit saucy. So uh, stick around, bring your popcorn. It's pretty um, uh, interesting to see how um, the industry works a little bit. And uh, so you think you want to be a pro staff, you want to th- you, you want to uh, be on these these teams. You want to work with these people. Um, here's a little bit of a look behind the curtain. So a um, lot of great information, uh, even before and after. But uh, it does get a, a little bit sideways there, there towards the end. So uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, leave us a review. Shoot me a message. Tell me what you think about this episode. And as always, thanks for listening. All right, everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Today we have a guest that was on one of our first, I don't know, first year episodes, handful of uh, episodes, uh, Michigan guy, very successful uh, hunter inside of Michigan and out, um, Jason Campbell from Bed to Dead, Whitetail Addictions, uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear, um, all of the above. How, how are you doing tonight, Jason? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. How are you boys doing? We're doing all right. It's, uh, I mean, you know, it's February in Michigan, so we're kind of in between things. Not a lot of good ice over here. We were just talking about that before we got on the phone with you. So, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> shitty ice, and <clears throat> I'm I'm ready to go for some warmer weather. So, <laughs> but so for uh, any of the listeners, you know, like since the last time we've had you on, there's been a ton of. Uh, you know, new people showing up and everything. Um, it, let's talk a little bit about you and maybe from, uh, you know, what you're working on your project from bed to dead and kind of what, what you're doing there. Um, well, I've really dove into, you know, helping as many hunters as I can. I mean, I field a lot of emails, a lot of text messages, a lot of social media uh, messages from a lot of hunters that are, trying to put the pieces together, um, going through seasons here in Michigan, um, and even out of state, but just trying to, you know, figure out more successful ways to get on deer. I usually get a lot of questions fielded more so on, can I look at this map or could I come meet them for this piece? You know, they, they want, you know, how would you scout it? How would you break it down? Um, you know, because I've been to other states before and and never set foot on a piece of property and and still are successful going there, you know, like, what would you look for? Um, We could be gear related, you know, but I pretty much have have dedicated um, my time to helping out fellow hunters. And um, I'm not so much into like, you know, obviously we love having likes and followers, you know, whenever we're doing social media pages, stuff like that. 
Um, but I'm not really as, as crazy about having such a huge following and becoming popular or famous or anything like that, as much as I am to gathering a following that actually follows along, um, you know, and engages back and forth with me and helping other people. Um, I've got into, you know, meeting up with guys and, and uh, groups, even several, whether it's just a person or several other guys scouting pieces for them. And, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of pretty, pretty tough because a lot of guys are, are pretty tight lipped about their spots. And, and I feel like, you know, being on some of the hunting pages and, and being out there, guys have learned, you know, that they can trust me, you know, that I'm not going to go in and snipe a spot out, even if it's a great spot or whatever, that I'm actually really just wanting to help them. And I take a lot of, I take more pleasure in seeing somebody put the pieces together and kill their biggest buck, first buck, their first doe, uh, than I really do in my own season and my pursuits of what's happening. So that's pretty much what's happening, you know, with our from bed to dead um, endeavors and really just trying to, to enjoy the next journey. Yeah, that's cool. I saw you putting stuff out saying that you were out there, uh, you know, waiting to, you know, if anybody wanted to get a hold of you and, and do some scouting and stuff. And I actually got talked to a guy, uh, kind of local to me, kind of, um, I, I don't know, kind of a weird way. I mean, I, I do the same thing. I, I, I can only help so many people and just stay and go talk to this guy or whatever. Um, and I got, I do a lot with gear and stuff like that, but, um, a guy named Tori, he said he, he moved here from New York and he, you were like one of the first people that actually got back with him and, and said, you know, yeah, I'll help you out. And was like really, very helpful. And that's, you know, un, unbeknownst to this podcast, he said, you know, he said, Hey, I'm from, from New York and I'm in Michigan. You ever talk to any Michigan guys like Jason Campbell? I'm like, well, I'm actually talking to him tomorrow. So, um, Jason, you know, all, all of that is, is, is completely, uh, on the level now, like with, when you're scouting these properties and you're, you know, from, from bed to dead, you know, you know, John and I talk about it and, you know, we, that we go out and everybody looks for buck beds and you, you try and hunt these, these certain ways. But as we were talking about before we started recording, you know, there's so many other pieces to the puzzle. So, you know, with that, you know, from bed to dead, um, how are you viewing bed hunting? Are you one of these guys, um, that goes and tries to set up directly over the bed? Are you using it as a tool for the big piece of the, you know, just one piece of the puzzle? Um, is it all you target all the time or is it, you know, how, how are you using that buck bedding and, and doe bedding and all of that, um, to be successful? Well, I would not say that I'm primarily a bed hunter. Um, but I do, I do believe that understanding and knowing where the bedding is and where a buck prefers to bed, whether that could be wind induced food source induced, uh, keeping tabs on does, you know, as the season starts to change pressure, you know, that's something that's very, very imperative and goes a long way into the eventual, you know, whether I catch up to them and able to fill a tag or not is understanding where they're at, why they're there, um, you know, when they're going to be there, 
when's an optimal time uh, to target this animal, whether he's showing me it's morning time, uh, midday, um, evening time. But you know, I'm really more so a if a buck shows me his tell in daylight when I can kill him, I don't care if it's in the bedding, if it's on a travel route, if it's at a food source, I'm, I'm going to set up and kill him where I feel that I've got the most pieces set in place for me to be able to have the best crack that I can, that I can at the animal. So is it always over a bed? No. Is it always in a bedding area? No. Sometimes it's not, you know, what, and, and I, I say it's not close to bedding, but is it usually a couple hundred yards from bedding? Yes. Depending on the situation. Um, but it's really more about patterning that animal at his most vulnerable and, you know, undetectable point. And that's what I'm targeting. And so, I mean, it's, uh, that all, I mean, from a regular guy's perspective, that all sounds well and good. Well, yeah, I mean, you just got to figure out where he's at in, in daylight. Um, but how are you, um, I know back when we talked last, you weren't a real big trail camera guy. You were, you, you used them a little bit differently than the, the, the guy you had on with you. Um, but how are you, um, can you take us through a little bit of your process on, you know, so you you find a buck on a piece of property, and then what do you? What are the next steps? I think that that's where guys get get hung up is, you know, what do I do now? Well, I mean, you know, since in your scenario, like, okay, I know a buck exists on this this piece of property. Now, what I'm trying to figure out is, is he calling this place home? Does he live here? Does he stay? Is this where he beds at? You know, how often does he bed there? What wind directions is it that he's bedding on? Um, what are the food sources in that area? Where's the pressure coming from in that area? Whether it could be, um, you know, from other hunters, um, you know, then I'm looking at my entrance routes coming in. Like, how can I get into this area, slip into this area without being detected? Um, how many times can I get in this area without being detected? I'm also trying to figure out how I can go in and out of this area and not be as detected by another hunter, because, you know, if another hunter knows or sees you hunting, you know, an area, especially if you're doing it strategically, you know, it's, you know, especially with how mobile hunting has come into play now, you know, a guy sees you with a stand and sticks on your back or a saddle on your back. You know, they, most guys figure hey, this guy's a mobile hunter. He's probably in here chasing something like he's not just your every, you know, a meat hunter per se, you know, he's maybe he's seeing something pretty good, you know, is, is the, so you have to go in there and kind of outsmart them as well. You know, you don't want to get <laughs> saw very, you know, all the time because then you're going to have some, some unwanted friends uh, hunting the same deer that you're hunting. Um, but, you know, getting back to the deer itself, you know, there's figuring out the food, figuring out the wind, figuring out the bedding, 
is there multiple bedding locations? You know, if I happen to push in a little far um, on the steer, where would he go after that? And, and knowing those adjacent areas that might not be in that same block of timber that you're hunting, but if you have access, you know, which I'm a big public land guy, you know, if it's public across the road uh, on, you know, are surrounding you, like how, where would that deer go if I did push him or he did receive some pressure? And then, you know, when you were talking about the cameras, I pretty much only run cameras in the summer months leading up until the season. I do leave some out um, that I'll leave all season long that I don't really, you know, I don't go and check them and, and pull a card out. I'm basically trying to gain some sort of intel. Um, what bucks made it? When were they there? What timing? Like if I don't know a bedding area specifically or, or something of that nature, but the ones that I check are the ones that are, are in high inventory areas travel areas food sources where i'm going to get as many pictures of as many deer as i possibly can to try to figure out not only is there a shooter buck but how many shooter bucks are in the area um because you know once i know there's a shooter there then that's where your postseason scouting spring scouting and in season scouting starts to come into effect and then you're able to try to start pinpointing that deer down. It could be from a rub line. It could be from tracks. It could be knowing the best bedding. It could be scrapes that opened up. Um, there's a lot of factors that that go into that, you know, into that actual, you know, pinpointing process. Um, but tracks tell you that a deer is there and how long the deer has been there. Um, you know, you got fresh tracks on the ground, then you know a buck is using, or it has been in that area in the last, you know, 24 hours. So you know that you're hunting a, a buck that's there. He's freshly showing his sign that shows up because sometimes rubs can be hard to determine how long they were made or when they were made exactly. Um, if, if you're not able to be in the woods every single day uh, to monitor a specific area, then, you know, a rub, especially for a lot of guys that don't have that much time, they go in an area and scout it, say, 1st of October, they get a couple of days off, they find a couple of nice rubs, um, you know, and they know, okay, well, this was done obviously before season, so he probably is rubbing his velvet off, marking his territory, and then let's say they don't get able to come out and hunt for a, you know maybe a couple weekends later they finally get to go out again you know whatever was laid down in that last two weeks that's new to them but doesn't necessarily mean that that's fresh sign that could have been left you know first week of season right after they were done and maybe that buck's not in that area no more I mean there's so many different little nuances and and factors that come into play that make it all part of the fun of the chess game about being able to pinpoint an animal down, but knowing that area intimately plays a huge role in being able to, I don't want to say predict, but in a way you're predicting where that deer is living because of your knowledge of the area and knowing how the deer, especially a mature buck likes to use that area or, or areas because it can travel from, you know, 
new new places to hunt each time with that sign that you're seeing those fresh tracks those fresh rubs those fresh scrapes you know the the kind of the predictable bedding when you start to look at maps you know and then being able to go in boots on the ground in season hit those locations and be able to see what you're looking for fresh droppings you know what i mean those are key factors of knowing that a buck is living there so a lot of the stuff that you're you're talking about is um a a, a woodsmanship type mentality because i mean i mean looking at it from you know as i'm listening to you talk and i'm trying to like picture this in my mind and i'm trying to think of like how that would apply to myself and it's i just picture like the the quintessential like indian tracker right you know you saw this this deer on this piece of property and you're going in there and you're saying okay if i was a deer where would i want to be but you have to have you know the woodsmanship skills to kind of read some of those scrapes and look at those tracks and look at all that stuff so for you know like like we say you know our main audience is guys that are trying to get better guys that are just moving on to public guys that are targeting that larger class of deer or their first deer or or whatever um from that woodsmanship perspective what do you think is the most important part of sign like if you could say okay i can only look at one thing you know i need to learn this one you know kind of intimately in and out and then you know move on to the next one where would you put your focus on like how to learn the woods well, if we're le- if we're talking about like sign that a deer leaves down, correct. I would say learning tracks. Being able to backtrack deer, being able to read, you know, just the size of tracks, whether it's a doe track, a buck track, um the direction the tracks go, um you know, those that is something that I feel like a lot of guys it's talked about, but it's, it's not really talked about enough because those are the huge key components to me when I'm, when I'm going and looking in those areas, when I'm looking in those areas where I'm trying to figure out like where exactly that a buck might be betting. And it can get difficult when it's in like water because obviously it's not real easy to be able to distinguish a track when there's a foot of water, you know, so you're trying to locate those softer mudded areas. Um, you know, it's hard too, if it's too dry, you're being able to establish those tracks. Cause it's just, you know, like a, a path, that's what you're following, but you're looking for, you know, those specifics that you, you can, you know, key in on, for me that's like the number one thing that i'm really looking for above a rub above you know a scrape you know because you you know uh, people can be fooled by a rub people can be fooled by a scrape um without digging deeper into kind of figuring those aspects out a lot of guys do they they see a scrape on the ground and you know, how do you know exactly what size buck that was that's using it or who's calling at home or how many different bucks are using it? Because many can. Same thing as like those some of those signpost rubs, you know, you can have multiple bucks using it and it, it, it looks a heck of a lot bigger than than maybe the buck that's using it. Or, or 
maybe the rub isn't really big, but it is a big buck that's using it. I mean, those things can sometimes throw guys off and make it more difficult to, I guess, key in on an area being a mature buck area or a buck area that they're, you know, that they might be worthy of their tag or what their goals are for that year. And so what are you looking for with, with tracks? And then on the other side of that is like, as you're, I mean, as you're trying to break down these properties for other guys, or you're going on to new, uh, properties, maybe say for your home state. No, now we're not talking about like a out of state type trip or, you know, where you're going into a place when you're doing your scouting, you know, when are you focusing your scouting on breaking down these new pieces and like learning them like where the deer would go where the deer would go where the deer would go so i mean when you're looking at these tracks and backtracking these deer i'm assuming that some of that is done like in the off season when you're scouting um but how are you using that to to how are you focusing your energy at those times well late season like this the deer you know because there's a lot of guys out scouting right now a lot of guys are already hammering out trying to make their 2021 season a you know a great year so they're already out scouting hoping to find some sheds even with the snow that we have and and really right now for me i don't put a lot of stock into the bedding areas because deer yard up and a lot of time food is everything right now so those deer are going to be on a food source that they might not necessarily be using say the start of next year or middle of next year uh, but what it does do is it does kind of, and it can indica- indicate the quality or the caliber of bucks or how many of them made it through an area, um, you know, for for maybe you to key in on a spot. And then you can backtrack those to bedding if you know a food source in the area that is going to be there next year. So, you know, let's just say a crop field. Um, or an acorn ridge because, you know, where those deer left those acorns, now they're scrounging for food. So they're getting back on those, whatever food sources they can find. And, and, you know, and I've seen it right now um, with some of the scouting workshops I've done with other guys that, you know, we'll hit a a patch in the, in the swamp or, or an area where there's bedding and it'll be absolutely destroyed with leaves turned over everywhere where they've been digging for acorns for the, you know, the last couple of weeks now that pressure's off. So you're really just determining at this point, what deer have made it through the area. And you can do that in the snow by the track size. You know, a lot of guys will throw their fingers down, you know, three fingers, four fingers, you know, however wide it is, but a big track is a big track. And, and, you know, you, when you start looking at tracks, you can start, it's, it's gets pretty easy um, to determine that, man, that's a big track. Cause I've got four or five sets of tracks over here and I got a really, really big track here and you can walk them back. Um, and a lot of them will take you to the food sources. A lot of times you'll jump a deer, you know, they don't, if he's still holding, then yeah, that's great. Um, but it just lets you know that they're still alive because obviously in our state, we get a lot of pressure and deer aren't fortunate enough to see too many birthdays. So just knowing that they've made it through the season and being able to, in, in this part of the time, you know, finding those tracks is huge to, to putting a game plan together. Cause now you're pursuing a deer that, you know, is alive based on walking in the woods finding a couple big rubs and not knowing did somebody shoot him 
Uh, did somebody, did he get hit by a car? You know, all those little factors that could possibly, you know, be in, and you might be chasing a ghost that left sign down from last year. So really what you're doing is trying to inventory what has made it through the season. And, you know, knowing that somewhere in that area, whether it's a mile away or, or, or 500 yards away, that buck's going to be calling home at some point, somewhere in that vicinity. So if you've got a big enough track of public land or private, um, your odds are, are pretty good that you'll be able to start start visually seeing this buck, whether it's by glassing or trail cam photos, you know, scouting, whatever it is that you're doing, and you're pursuing a live animal and not a ghost. So as you um, are are hunting these deer and and picking them up one of the things that i'm i want to get into asking guys this year and it be just because of all the people that i talk to and all of the guys that kill big deer consistently um i guess i i guess i always think of it for myself as like whatever is convenient or sticking to kind of spots that you know but i'm beginning to realize that a lot of guys will travel, you know, quite a bit from their house. You know, they say, well, I've got spots two, three hours away. Like my closest spot maybe is 45 minutes from my house. And it's, it's people that aren't really, you know, they're not hunting around where they live necessarily because they're going to target these larger caliber deer because that's where they know that there's larger caliber deer. Or there's spots that they know, or they know of these deer. Um, and so I just want to, just I'm curious, like how far is like your average property that you go and hunt, um, you know, regularly during the season? And then I guess also, no matter the distance, um, how are you choosing these properties? You know, the ones that you do go hunt. Um, well, the average travel that I have, it's, there's a, there's, three there's three pretty big pieces that i hunt uh of public and it's the shortest drive i have is about 50 minutes the longest drive i have is about an hour and a half here in michigan how i'm determining because i'm always checking out new pieces so you know every season for me i'm always I'm always trying to find, uh, you know, the next big buck, I guess, you know what I mean? The next target that I want to go and chase. And so, you know, a lot of times I'm looking on the maps to see how big is this piece? Cause I prefer to hunt bigger chunks of land, bigger pieces, because it allows me to hunt the animal and not have to worry about it crossing property lines or not being able to pursue this animal. If I do happen to find one, I want to have the opportunity, you know, to chase him and kill him and pattern him down. But also, you know, if I do make a mistake, the deer is not going to run to the neighbor's property. And then for the next three weeks, I'm, you know, spending it trying to find this deer or hopefully sit in an area that he might come back to not knowing when he might come back or when he's not. So that's kind of like the first thing I'm doing, but I'm also trying to look for, swamps, uh, bedding, 
staying away from big cities because obviously the bigger the cities, the more pressure and the more people that you, that can, you know, come to hunt this place, um, harder to reach locations, you know, so like maybe more out in the country. Um, and then, you know, also we get a lot of gun pressure here. So, you know, those deer need to have an ability to make it through the seasons. And so if you're hunting in a, a rifle zone, could be shotgun zone. And now there's, you know, with the straight wall cartridges and the inlines and some of these shotguns, it, it's getting to where, you know, it isn't like it used to be where, you know, you're going out there with the old smooth bore 870 you know, now these guys have got guns that can reach out three, 400 yards in shotgun zones and kill deer. So, I mean, it definitely, you know, you have to kind of play that into the situation, but then also adequate food sources, um, whether that be by agricultural or, you know, oaks, things of that nature. Um, because like in, in the Northern part of Michigan where mass crops, are primarily the food sources, but then at the same time, the deer density numbers are kind of down. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to see a lot of deer. Doesn't mean you're not going to see a good caliber deer, but you're 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 really, you know, for me, I'm trying to locate an area that that has a good number of deer. The pressure is as low as it's as it possibly can be. I mean, it is Michigan. Um, and then bigger tracts of land and then really it's about going in there and scouting those areas and seeing if there are big rubs if there are big tracks if you know the potential of a big deer are there you know we all know somebody who hunts some part of state land and swears up and down that they saw a big deer but I, I don't put a whole lot of stock into that because depending on the hunter, you know, what's a big deer to you? A big deer to you might not be a big deer to me. And I know that sounds, you know, sort of like, well, how can that be? But, you know, if you've got a guy who's, you know, hunted his whole life and, and maybe he's still hunting for his first buck, you know, a basket eight point would be a real big buck to him where, the next guy, he, he might've killed four or 530 inch animals and, you know, 130, 140 is a big deer to him. So, I mean, it's hard to say. And then also, you know, a lot of guys like to over-exaggerate how big a deer really is. And it always kills me when a guy doesn't even have an animal that scores 120 on the wall, but tells me that he saw a 150 or a 170. And it's like, man, that's a really big deer. And you know what I mean? Like, unless you've actually saw one up close and personal or had a buck scored itself to understand how big that is or been in the game with several, it's kind of hard to believe a guy when he says that, you know, and I'm not saying that's not true, but it's, I found that odds are more times than not, it's usually not true. A guy sees a hundred inch buck and it's a 150 inch buck, you know, and, and I'm, and I, I'm not knocking anybody for that because, you know, I, we've all been victim to that. I've shot several bucks, swore up and down they were 140s and, and, and barely cracked PY. And I was like, you know, he fooled me. You know, it, it, it 
it, it's hard to score an animal on, on the, the hoof like that. So like, I get it, but I don't really take that into consider. You know, I don't go by word of mouth, like, Oh, this place has hammers. Now, if, if I'm, if I'm looking through Michigan buck polls pages on Instagram and I noticed that five bucks got posted in Van Buren County on public land, I'm paying attention. You know, you got three or four one fifties or a 60 or a seventies class buck. And you know, it's not hard to get online and look up public land. And you'd be surprised at the fact that when you do that and all of a sudden there's only one piece of public there. And you know, that's where these guys, when they're always asking like, well, where, you know, what county i don't want to know your spot but i want to know what county well what if you only got one spot of public in that county like you know what i mean like they they think that they're kind of like sly dogging you there where you know what i mean they're well we don't want to know your spot just we want to know well you pretty much might as well tell them the game area you're going to hunt in if you're hunting in a county that might only have one chunk of public on it so (laughs) i mean you know, it, it really, it's boots on the ground, you know what I mean? That determines an area and, and then, you know, cause you can look on a map and everything can look great on a map, but you can go there and maybe it's not holding the caliber deer. Maybe it's flushed with, with pressure. So, I mean, really, it's just picking a place, sticking to the fact that you're going to break it down and walk every inch of it that you possibly can and, and, and look at the, at the sign the hunting pressure, the tracks on the ground that show you that those deer are still alive. And then, you know, it's uh, sometimes you find a shed and that's nice. Like, you know what I mean? That tells you that there's, you know, a a decent buck in the area. Uh, But spending my in season time and, and looking at all the bucks, like I might not shoot a hundred inch eight point that comes in, but if I know that that buck made it or I've been hunting this area and I've saw him four or five different times and he made it like he's going to be bigger next year. If I know that I've seen four or five, two and a half year olds that are all going to be really nice up and comers, the odds of one of them making it's pretty good. So, I mean, like I'm inventorying in the places I'm hunting bucks for next year's hunt or, you know, or, you know, maybe you've got a three or four on your hit list. You only get two tags in Michigan. So, you were lucky enough to tag one of them. I mean, odds are if he's made it that long, he's a pretty crafty animal. He, you know, you have a really good starting ground. So those are kind of the things that I'm looking for when I'm picking apart a piece of land um, to go and hunt and, and kind of sidetracking, but it, it goes hand in hand to me. So many of our new hunters bite off so much more than they can chew. And they try to get 25, 35, 50 spots and all these beds that they can go and hunt, but they don't really know one area intimately. They don't really know their primary bedding area, like the back of their hand. They don't really know the adjacent bedding areas, like the back of their hand. And they know them. They all they know the spots, and they know that you know they can tell you, oh yeah, I know where that trail is or this ridge is. But they don't know how the deer are utilizing them before they move on to the next piece. You know, and it's almost like uh, if I have 50 different bedding areas and I hunt off 50 at one point, I got to get, you know, lucky one time. And I'm trying to take luck out of the equation as much as I can. And I'm trying to learn an area well enough to know all the deer that are using it or as many deer as I can that are using it. And then going after the deer that I feel are potentially killable. 
Yeah, I think thinking back now that you say that, like from the last podcast I, that we did, I think that that's when I went and just looked for, and in talking to you, was just look for the biggest piece of property that I could find that looked like it sucked. And that's where I've been hunting for the last three years. And I took John out there uh, and, and we did some scouting at the beginning of the beginning of the year, right at the end of the season. And I'm starting to put the pieces together on, on that from, from that regard, like not necessarily, I'm starting to see in the snow and everything. And from what I've got from the deer, I mean, I had three good bucks for me on camera and a bunch of other, you know, bucks here and there. Uh, but it was just one of those cameras that I just let sit, but we walked out there and saw the different bedding areas and saw, you know, the further we got this way, there was more and more and more pressure and more guys, more stands, more, more everything. But kind of on the end where I was, there was, there was nothing. And we had hunted further over and I'm, I'm beginning to become a lot more familiar with it. And now I'm understanding why there's more deer back where, where we were than, uh, than any of the other places. I mean, there's deer over there, but not the, not in the concentrations like, like we were seeing in the tracks and, it's funny you were saying about and, and, the. Say it's funny you were saying about like the places that were they were back looking for oaks because where John and I crested up on this ridge and it was just completely tore up like like you'd see turkeys in the. You, yeah, you know, exactly. The like it's just destroyed. Like they were pecking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here's the thing, you know, I don't know how many years you put into this spot, but next year you're like you, you, it's very possible that four or five guys or a group of guys or two guys or one guy can go in there and totally blow that area out. You know what I mean? So that's why it's so ever changing to me. Like, I don't like, I'm lucky enough that, that I've, I've learned a couple areas really, really well, but really I have to locate or relocate another animal again. It's not like I just have this bedding area that magically keeps producing big bucks over and over and over. And they do the same thing. So I could just set the same tree every year on opening day and shoot a big buck out of it. Like sometimes the pressure was a little higher in that area. And so some deer got shot off. I don't have a very good, you know, up and coming crop of of bucks to, to, to shoot. And yes, there are some times that I have areas that, it just seems like every year around the same time, there's always a big one in there. You know what I mean? But there's very seldom do they do the same exact thing. Every buck has a different characteristic. The season changes, water levels change, um, you know, a million different things that play into it that kind of can shift that buck to travel. And it might be a hundred yards over uh, from the run that was hot last year that they were using and it could be, you know, it could be because maybe it got thicker in that area or thinner in that area. It could be a new road opened up or maybe more pressure from someone else. Or it could just be because for whatever reason, the predominant winds this year are a little different from the winds that were last year. Like it just, it changes. So you have to be able to change and adapt. You know, and if you don't know those areas that well or where, you know, where to look, you know, you're, you're really, again, you're, 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 you're hoping that spots pay off instead of knowing that they're going to. Yeah. I mean, that, that's been the, I don't know, not, I don't want to say that it's like a luxury, but 
it's it's just one of those things where you know you and I had talked about the deer that I killed this year, and you know it's it's one of those where I don't think I've ever for one time in my life had quote unquote history with a deer. Like I don't necessarily go in like hoping I put myself in a spot for a reason. It's not the same spot every day and all this stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm adjusting, but it's not like I know that this deer's here, but I, it's more like, you know, if I was a deer and I was using this, this is where, this is the way that I'd be, be using it. And, but I think that that probably comes with that ability to go in, learn a spot and learn the way that the deer use it. And then have, uh, I guess like a, a standard in mind so that you're not just like, well, hell yeah, I'm going to shoot that one. I'll shoot this one. And, you know, kind of, kind of like that you can, but by letting deer pass, you know, and you see them a, a few times or, you know, you, you've pretty sure it's the same deer you saw last year, you know, etc. But that, that for me is, is, is like one of the things where I'm, uh, like as I, as I progress during this whole thing is like trying to have different, different goals. And, and, uh, it's not like I want to have a buck named Ted that I you know, go out and I, I killed Ted, but at the same time, I, I want to be able to locate a deer, figure it out and have that, that chase, that kind of chess match type, type deal. You're speaking of the progression of a hunter, man. Like, I mean, everybody has to start somewhere. You know what I mean? It, I didn't jump into this, you know, this, I'm going to go after big bucks the very first time I started hunting. Like, I mean, it, you know, I killed a, a ton of young little bucks that, honest to God, they, they pumped me up when I shot them. You know what I mean? And it, it was after shooting several of those that, made me like okay i want something different and then i started you know by the more time you spend i mean that's how you gain knowledge is the more time you spend it doing something you perfect your craft the more time i spent in the woods the more time that my sightings become they become more more encounters that i started having with bigger deer that was what drove me to want to up my ante and say you know what maybe this year my goal is to kill two eights I didn't really care how big they were. I just wanted two eights. And then once I did that, then it was like, okay, I want, you know, I'm looking for a Pope and young animal. And then once I was able to do that, then it became, okay, I want to learn how to target a specific animal to know, you know, almost like a Navy seal or an insurgent, you know, goes in to kill something. Like I want to learn everything there is to know about this animal, where it eats, where it sleeps, where it lives you know, where it's walking, why it's walking there, when it's going to be there. And to the, you know, so I can go in and actually take him out. And that was, that's where I'm at now is, you know, and I don't always have history. I mean, especially your out of state hunts, you're out of state hunts, you know, unless you're running a ton of trail cameras or are able to make those trips, you know, on a regular basis. A lot of times we don't have uh, history with an animal. You're going in and reading the fresh sign with maybe a goal in mind saying, okay, like, you know, I'm anything over Pope and Young, you know, or four and a half or three and a half. That's what I'm going for. You know, I'm looking for a mature buck. Maybe score doesn't even matter, you know, and, and you're looking for all those telltale signs that lead you, you know, to hopefully the encounter that ends up leading, 
you know, to a successful tag being punched. So let's talk about that. You killed a, a giant buck. I don't know how big that buck was that you killed in, in Indiana. Let's talk a little bit about that. How did that hunt play out? Okay. So a friend of mine and another staffer on from bed to dead, William Ritchie, him and I have been talking and about hunting out of state together. And we hunted in Ohio, uh, two years ago together. We had a ball. Um, he hunts a lot like I do. It's very seldom, to be honest with you, do I run across another hunter that I can get along with that hunts like, you know, my style or, or relatively close to that with the same kind of goals in mind. Like, you know, I can share camp with anybody and have a great time. Uh, but when it's serious and, you know, you're there, you know, trying to accomplish a goal, it definitely makes it a lot easier with someone who's like-minded uh, or shares the same goal. Cause then you can kind of bounce around your ideas and, and stuff with them. But he had, he had been scouting this piece of land in Indiana and I never set foot on it uh, ever in my life. He sent me a couple maps, but I'll be honest with you. Like I kind of breezed over the maps, but I wasn't even sure if I was going to get the opportunity to go there or not because like we said before, it's kind of hard to leave big bucks to go find other bucks. So I wanted, you know, to be successful, at least to punch a tag here, kind of just, you know, because then you can kind of go no pressure on you and just go and have fun and hunt. And, uh, he, he and I had picked out a time frame to finally end up making it. And, and I ended up driving my camper there and, and getting there. And I think I got into camp at like one o'clock in the morning on a Sunday and uh i was exhausted i've been hunting pretty hard well he had got a couple cell cam photos of the buck that he was chasing so he decided to head back to michigan and uh i got there and he wasn't there i was like hey what the hell like where, where, where'd you go and then he's like well i you know told me he was chasing it so, you know i'll be back in a couple of days i saw right, that's fine so i you know i slept in that next day because i'd never set foot in this place ever I decided the best thing to do, and this is what I do with every place I go, whenever I do a workshop with somebody on their parcel I've never been to or set foot on, I like to drive around and see the lay of the land. What does it look like? Maps are great, but being able to see it, I'm more of a visual kind of guy. So I, I know what I'm kind of looking for. And I wanted to also see because we picked the pre-rut time to go down there um, because we figured that the mature bucks, it's the time of the year when they're up on their feet, they're starting to get a little antsy. They're still patternable. Um, you know, so they're leaving sign down, you know, more visual sign rubs and scrapes. You, you know, you can, you can uh, up your chances, you know, being in those situations. So I drove around the area. I wanted to see the food sources. I wanted to see the pressure. I wanted to see how the land was broken out. Um, you know, kind of just doing my due diligence and uh he that first night that i was able to hunt he had sent me a pin and kind of told me to look around and and i was kind of doing an observation sit um in an area because he'd been getting some nighttime photos but also a few a few daylight photos of, of of some pretty decent bucks you know and, and i would say in the neighborhood of anywhere from like 115 to like 140 um and so I went and kind of read the sign and I didn't really want to hunt his specific, you know, spots where he had been hunting, but I hunted the area that he did. And, and, uh, 
I happened to set up and, and I, I posted on Instagram because I had a huge combine come down and pick the beans in the field that I was in. And I was literally sitting on the edge of a huge CRP field that was next to these beans with some, you know, fresh scrapes and rubs on the area. And I don't know, I was only probably five feet up off in the, in the ground in a bush and this combine drove by me and, and he sat there uh, pretty much till about last 45 minutes of daylight. And as I sat there, I kind of, you know, I'm, it's not like me to take somebody else's word for something. I just, and not that I don't trust William because William is a hell of a hunter. He does a lot of homework. You know, he does a lot of posting of pictures. He knows his, his shit, but I just was like, man, this, this isn't like, this isn't even an area that I would really pick to hunt like per se for myself. It's just not, I don't know. It just didn't feel right. So I got down a little early and decided, you know what? Like I was out here a little earlier. I'm going to drive around these parking lots and see where the real pressure is coming from now. Cause most of these guys are still in the woods. So I drove around and most of the places that he had picked had four or five, even six cars in the parking lot. And it was getting pounded by pressure. And it kind of started to make sense with a lot of his bucks were starting to be nocturnal. They were starting to show up on his cameras, but it was really, you know, hour after daylight, hour before daylight going back in. And so I thought, you know what? It's it, it I'm gonna call it an evening. You know, it's already starting to get dark. I drove back, I showered, I said, looked at the weather forecast. It was supposed to be like 30 mile an hour winds for the day. And I said, you know what? I'm I'm gonna sleep in. I'm gonna get up at like nine o'clock. It's strong winds. I should be able to slip in some bedding areas and start looking at the map. So I'm like looking at all the maps and I'm looking at kind of, you know, I had kind of pinpointed and, and marked where I'd been seeing all the pressure in the parking lots. And so I kind of was ruling out areas and I started looking at some other pieces and these two pieces really stuck out on the map because they were harder to reach. Um, there, there was some key parts to them that I was really hoping for, which was how far away the parking lots were. They weren't easy accessible. They didn't have a bunch of like two tracks where you could walk down or dikes or anything like that, that you could get to them. There were some private bigger chunks that were bordering them with some crop fields that had been cut corn. And so I, I, I said, you know what, I'm just going to drive around and go and take a look at it. And well, the first one I went to look at absolutely was a disappointment. I didn't even have to get out of the truck to look at it. It was almost flooded out. There was very few parts that were accessible to be able to get to and hunt where the deer might be better to live but it was absolutely pounded with pressure. I could see the trails running in and I could see four or five ladder stands from the parking lot. I didn't even have to get out. And I was like, okay, this is not, <laughs> I'm ruling this out right now. I mean, and, and when you go to a lot of out of state places like Ohio or Indiana, you'll find a lot of ladder stands. Uh, they love ladder stands there. There's, you know, not saying their guys aren't mobile. There are a lot of guys that use uh, a mobile setups or, or climbers, but, you know, to me, it's just, I can rule that out immediately because I know that that guy is going there and maybe he's got four or five in that area and he's rotating them on the wind, but he's going to be hunting them predominantly quite a bit, quite a bit, quite a bit. So even though he might've seen a pretty good buck, I'm kind of going to rule out that that buck's calling that place home again and not saying that it's the, you know, that it's a hundred percent. There's always an exception to the rule, but it's just kind of worked out in my favor. So I'm like, well, I'm going to slide over to this other piece. Well, I finally got there 
And good old Onyx had a road marked that was not a road. <laughs> so I had to turn around and go all the way back. But I finally got there. But that, that actually is what really turned me on in this area even more because now the how to get in this place was even harder. So I, I onyxed it from the parking lot that I was in, and it was just a little over a mile and a half in to get back to where I wanted to look at. So I thought, all right, I, I didn't bring my bow. I didn't bring any stand, no nothing. I finally got all the way back there. And I passed a couple tree stands that were on the, they were ladder stands, but they were on the corners of the field close to the parking lot. Once I got back a little deeper and I got to kind of where I was starting to mark at, the sign just started lighting up. Like, I mean, it was just big runs, you know, big tracks in the runs. I started seeing some sporadic rubs that were sort of fresh, but pretty good size. You know what I mean? I, I was like, okay, it's, it's getting a little better here. And when I finally got kind of down into where I was looking, I ended up seeing a four point that was on his feet and there he was tending a doe kind of trying to push her around, but she was laying down, he was standing over and I, I slipped up probably 20 yards. They never even saw me. So I waited for them to get up and they, and they kind of moseyed on and went their way. And I was like, you know what? Like, that's not a mature buck. I could set up right here, but like, I got to see something different, a better than this. Like I, you know, in order for me to, to, to take my time here, I'm going to move to the next spot. So as I got deeper in, I got a couple hundred yards in, everything started lighting up. I found a horizontal rub on a tree that was the size of my thigh. That was probably five feet long of a rub, um, scrapes the size of truck hoods. I could smell the deer in them. They were fresh. Like they weren't, you know, they weren't like old dry. They were being used. There was fresh tracks in them, big tracks in them. You know, and I, so then immediately I start looking around at the area and I'm like, okay, like looking at trees and, you know, there's hardly any foliage on the trees. So now I'm like, oh shit, like I, I'm going to be in a little ash tree. And I literally picked a spot and it, I knew I was only going to be about two sticks high, two minis high and, and being able to hang my tree stand up in it. I already picked it out. I literally got on the phone uh, with my wife at the time and said, Hey, uh, I found this spot and I'm just telling you right now, I know I said I'd be gone a week. I'm not going to be gone a week. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I, I don't know that I'll kill one tonight. I'm definitely going to go back and, and hang the stand and get it in here. I said, but I, I if I sit here all day tomorrow, I'm going to kill a deer. I can't tell you how big he's going to be, but I know there's a real big one in here. I just, you know, like, I, and I had went down with the, anything Pope and young that was at least, you know, three and a half, four and a half years old, I was going to shoot. That was pretty much my, you know, and I'm trying to shoot a four and a half and older if I can. So that was kind of my, my goal. It, it was that, yep. You know, and everything that I saw told me that there was definitely a mature dominant buck in the air, maybe two. So I hurry up and ran all the way back, drove, you know, got all the way to the truck, was sweating my ass off, dying, got all the way back to the camper, took a shower real quick got all my standing stuff. Got, you know, I already had it prepped. That's one thing about me that I'm huge about is making sure that my bag is packed. It's always set the same way. My sticks, everything like I, I'm not a messy guy where all my stuff's all over the place. You know what I mean? I just feel like it, you got to have a system to, you know? So like I, I got it all in the truck, got ready to go, got to the, back to the tree. And I think it was 1230 when I got to the base of the tree and I took my time and got in there. I got set up, got all my camera gear set up. I think it was just before one o'clock or, you know, right around one o'clock. 
and it started snowing like i'm talking blizzard snow and it's 30 mile an hour winds and i'm sitting up there bundled up thinking like what the hell like you know what i mean like it's it was not what you would call optimal conditions to be sitting to see deer movement but i had seen deer on their feet when i went in there so i thought well you know maybe this spot these deer are in here bedded you know there maybe they're feel comfortable enough to get up maybe the wind will drop down just a little bit towards the evening. So I was just kind of settling in and enjoying the hunt and it was gorgeous out. And I just happened to, I'd been sitting there maybe an hour or so. And I, and I, I kept looking behind me cause you know, it is that time of the year when they, you know, they could come and I happened to look over and I seen legs and I was like, Oh shit, there's a deer right there. So, you know, I didn't think to grab my bow or anything like that. I just grabbed my camera, turned it on and I start filming and the deer steps out of the bedding and I see it's a big buck. And so at the time I was like, oh, wow, that's a, you know, that's a nice buck. So I zoom in a little bit on the, with, with the camera on his antlers. And at the time I was thinking, you know, mid thirties, low forties caliber deer, he definitely a mature buck. I'm going to shoot him. He was 25 yards away from me when I saw him. So I had to film him for about 10 minutes standing there broadside. And I debated about four or five times if I'd take the shot but I was very confident in the scouting that I'd done that this deer was going to take this path up. And there was two runs. He was, you know, the run split off from one to two. He was going to walk by one, which was going to lead 10 yards away, or he was going to walk on the other, which was about seven. And so I just prepared the camera, turned all my gear on and, and, and was filming just really kind of got lost in filming him. And uh, he got to the head of that run and he was facing like he was going to hit the split. So I had my camera faced on the other side of the bush. So there was a, about a 30-second window there where you barely can see the deer off the side. But I'm like watching him too, you know, like not on the camera, but watching him to see which way he's going to take. And he does a 180 and starts to turn and come broadside in front of me. So I, you know, pan the camera over, get it all set up. And I, I how I had set my camera arm was so that way I could adjust it with my knee because I like it a little tighter. So when you let go of it, it doesn't drift on you, you know, and when you're self-filming. So I mean, self-filming is pretty tough. It can be really tough at times. And so I, he, as he's coming up, I, I, there's, I've been in the game with some pretty nice bucks over the years. When they close that gap and get in that 15, that 20 to 15 yard range, you better be ready because a million freaking things can go wrong. And the last thing you want to do is regret not being ready or taking a shot or, or playing the scenarios out. So I had played it out in my head. Okay. If he stops here, where would I shoot him? Where are my shooting lanes? I'm thinking all this as we're like, as this is playing out and he starts kind of coming up the ridge. And I just had finished adjusting the camera with my knee and I was already at full draw and he starts coming up the ridge and that, son of a bitch nailed me in the tree and i mean again i'm no no cover no i mean the tree i'm in a bean pole but i'm using the back cover and he stops and like looks and then you know how they do when they got you and he just like picks his head straight up and uh he was probably like seven yards away and and i buried him right in the front chest took a frontal and you know blew right through the deer i, I used a fixed blade broadhead but blew right through him and then he tore off you know not really where he came but kind of where i was expecting him to come from and i didn't hear him crash because it was 30 mile an hour winds and whatnot so of course you know now the the whole getting jack part you know hits me because that's usually how it is for me and i'm you know 
man, I'm losing it in the tree. Like I hang my bow up and I'm like trying to do my exit interview, you know, and I forget the camera's rolling and I literally call my wife and I'm like, she's like, she's like, Oh, did you get to the tree? I'm like, girl, I'm tagged out. And she's like, what? I'm like, I'm be coming home like pretty shortly. And she's like, how do you know you got him? I'm like, babe, I, he was seven yards away. Like I buried him. I'm telling you. And I could see the blood squirt, you know, flying out of him when he took off. So I took my time and, and I did my interview. And at the time I was working with whitetail addictions and, and lone wolf custom gear. So I'm, I'm taking and filming, you know, my setup in the tree stand and why I was there and, and kind of like getting all the nuances to make a really good episode for addictions. And, and, uh, you know, also I'll release it. I'm from bed to dead. You know, like I, you know, my first, my first film stuff goes to them so they could get the first film out. And, uh, you know, I pack up my stand and everything and, and, you know, I start the track up and blood's just spraying. I mean, it's a phenomenal blood trail. I get about a hundred yards away and it's starting to lead through the woods and, and I like look over and I can see him laying there. So I turn the camera back on and I get over there. And as I get closer to this deer, I'm realizing like, it's getting bigger. Like it's, it's not just a good buck. Like it's a really big buck. So I'm like, you know, Holy crap. Like this is, this is a lot bigger than what I thought he was. And I still hadn't put my hands on him yet. So I get over there and I pull him up and I literally had to sit there for a minute and shock. Like I didn't realize he was that big. Not that I think it would have mattered. You know, I was going to shoot him regardless, but you know, we're talking a lot about different caliber deer. We're we're not just talking about killing a a thirties or forties caliber deer. Like this deer is going to go boom. Like this ain't, this ain't just like a really good deer. Like, this deer is 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 low mid 60s, potentially go mid 70s. So now I'm and and like he's got no busted tines, no, you know you're not looking. He just no major deducts on him. He's a mainframe 10 point. He had one little sticker tine that isn't gonna make an inch. So and even if it did, I don't think it's gonna matter a whole lot. But I mean he's he's wide. He's got super long beams, super tall tines. I'm kind of an awe and shock and I had to pull myself together and then, you know, set up some sticks because I didn't have my tripod with me and I'm definitely not calling somebody to help me and sharing the spot with them. Like, I'm just <laughs> sorry, but I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like I take a couple pictures, I send them to my dad and, and a couple of the guys and let them know like, Hey, you know, I just, I shot a really big one. You know, my dad messaged me back because the picture I sent him wasn't really the greatest picture. It was just like a quick snapshot. And he's like, oh, he looks like I'd say 138. And I'm like, dude, you don't even understand. Like, just wait. So I set the camera up and I did my exit interview and, you know, and and, and like showing him around and kind of, you know, kind of telling it. I don't want to say retelling the tale, but just kind of talking about the hunt itself. And I get done and go over, shut the camera off. And, you know, I carry all my stuff back up to the car. You know, because obviously there's no way I'm hauling this deer with all my gear on too. Like I just, you know, I had sick fanatic gear and all that. Like I was weighed down. So I hurry up and got it back, went back, dressed him out and decided the best thing to do because of how far back he was, was to quarter him out and, and, uh, and, you know, skin him right there. Um, Cause you got to do that anyways, if you're going to take a deer over state lines in Indiana, you're allowed to move the deer without calling. Like you, you've got like 24 hours or something like that. I mean, I'm not a hundred percent, but I know you can move the animal without tagging it specifically. 
Um, and you make your own homemade tag with him. You call a 1-800 number. So I got him all the way up to the truck and then I called the 800 number and, and, uh, you know, checked him in, did all the things that we did. There's a local DNR station that was there. There was a, a really nice game warden that was there. I happened to go in there and show him. He, he was astounded. I mean, he knew they were there, but he was, you know, really super nice. Um, I got back to the, the camper, loaded my camper up and I was home by seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, that night that I shot him. And I stopped by my dad's house and showed him to him. But, um, you know, that, that hunt is no longer going to be with whitetail addictions. Um, I've since parted ways with whitetail addictions and, uh, and lone wolf custom gear. I love lone wolf custom gear. I love their tree stands. I love their sticks. I love their gear. Um, but when I, with the affiliation with whitetail addictions, you know, I, I didn't, when I first got into this guys, I'll be honest with you. I didn't get into it for the fame. I didn't get into it for the politics of it. And you guys understand more better than anybody that whole situation, you know, I believe in your gear. I believe in, in, in that it's quality. Um, but they're, and not so much alone with custom gear, like the DeQuistos have been phenomenal people. I, I can't, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about that at all. I love my time with them, but I got away from what I really got into this for. And it wasn't brand names. It wasn't who's is the best. You know, when I first started this, it was, I didn't care whose it was. It's not, that's not the important part to me. The important part was the knowledge. The important part was meeting new hunters and helping people and showcasing and in any way, shape or form, being able to tell stories, being able to share my, my experiences over the year to help a guy kill his first deer, uh, his son, his daughter, uh, read his property up his success year to year, give him the confidence to be able to go out of state on a new piece of ground that he's never set foot on. Um, you know, maybe just aerial scouted and make the most out of a week long hunt, you know, cause he's got to go back to work and still have a quality opportunity at something he's going to be happy with. That's why I got into this for the, for the podcasting to sit down with guys like you and John and, and shoot the shit and, and really be able to touch base with the guys that are out there hunting. You know what I mean? That's what I got into this for. I didn't get into it to become, you know, somebody else's moneymaker, so to speak, or, 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 you know, promoting all their stuff. And, and it happens, you know what I mean? You, you know, because being a part of the hunting industry, that that's kind of, that's what we do. Right. You know what I mean? That we're gear nuts. We love that kind of stuff, but I kind of lost myself, so to speak. And, um, I didn't really find that out. And I debated on whether or not I would even share this with you guys, but I had a falling out with one of the guys that runs whitetail addictions and, I, as you guys know, I used to run Mobile Hunters United. I was one of the admins that was on there. I'm actually one of the guys that helped create it. Connor Wakefield, uh, Cody DeQuisto, and I sat down and talked about it. And then we brought the idea to Andre DeQuisto, um, who thought it was a great idea um, to be able. And we, we wanted to create a forum that was equal, that your voice was heard, and that you're, you were able to speak your mind, but with respect, we were able to get back to talking about tactics because you guys know this, you know, with it, the whole infall versus DeQuisto, you know, who came out with what stand and all that, like 
that was running rampant and it seemed like it was infecting social media to such a high, it was toxic. Like you guys couldn't just talk to one another about tactics and tips. It became about, well, if you don't use this stand, then you ain't shit. And it divided us. So I wanted to create a site that united us. That was what we wanted to do, whether it was whoever's gear that you used, it's really about what's between the ears, the nuts and the bolts about helping the people, you know, uh, tactics, just like this podcast and, and other podcasts. And, you know, we have rules on that forum, which one of them was no advertising. Like we don't want guys advertising because, you know, last thing, I don't know how many sites you guys are on, but when you jump on a site and you want to read about tactics and you got the first five things are, Hey, come click on my link and check this out and do this and do that. Like, it, it get it floods the site and your site is less about content and it's more about promoting other people. And that's not really what the site was created for, to be honest with you. And so that was something that we all decided, well, you know, there was no law and it's runs white tail addictions. And he had written a post on it. It wasn't really a post. It was an old white tail addictions episode that he aired on there. And he was asking for followers and not, at all trying to be a dick or anything like that i i deleted the post i messaged sushton face to face like you know like man to man and wasn't being an attitude with him or anything it just said hey man like i deleted your post off of there i kind of told him like this is kind of how to circumvent the rule like you can still post the link on there just don't ask for the follows because guys will click on that and they will follow it if they like it i mean that's really you know what i mean that that's where you gain your most followers from anyways not asking you know, for follows or that kind of thing. And, and, and just said like, you know, I, I'm not mad about it or not. I just like, this is how it's better to do it. Now, mind you, Andre DeQuisto himself. I mean, he's the boss, you know what I mean? Even when he posts things, he posted a, 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 a post on that forum showcasing his new backpack, but he, he wrote like, what's everybody's mobile setup. And he didn't actually advertise a backpack, but he did because he sent shots of it in there. And people gathered that real quick. They're pretty quick. You know, they notice when something's new out and, and, and fresh. And I kind of referenced that. Well, he got pissed off at me and told me I was off of addictions. And I thought that was pretty childish and immature of someone to do. And to take that route, especially after all I've done, I mean, you guys have known like how deep I was with custom gear and whitetail addictions and all the advertising and promoting, and it just left a sour taste in my mouth. But, but what it did was it woke me, it woke me back up to the fact that that's not why I got into this in the first place. You know what I mean? I didn't get paid from them guys to, to film for whitetail addictions or, or, or post for Lone Wolf custom gear or any of that. And it just left a really sour taste in my mouth. And, and I felt like, honestly, I couldn't keep being on the Lone Wolf Custom Gear staff when that happened. Just, I, I, I really, I didn't want to do that. I don't want to promote for anybody anymore. Like that wasn't it. I don't want to promote myself. I just, I want to help people. That's what I got into it for in the first place. So that was a real bummer for me because that Indiana buck, you know, I mean, you, you don't you don't shoot too many booners on public land. It, 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 you just don't. I and I was very disappointed because I was looking forward to that episode being able to be aired out that way. And a lot of the followings that that we have with mobile hunters and everything else, you know, being able to share that with people when the time came. And and I walked away from Mobile Hunters United. 
it just left such a sour taste in my mouth and I felt disrespected and, and unappreciated and several guys that are currently on addiction staff and other people felt the same way and saw it and couldn't believe it. They were shocked that that happened. I never got a call saying, I'm sorry, I took it too far or anything. And, and, you know, now that buck in this story is, is, is going to be where it should have been all along. And that's on from bed to dead, you know, so that's going to be something that's changing and, and happening, you know, from here on out, like, you know, it's going to be back to the way it was and the way I wanted it to be in the first place. And and I personally have to apologize to a lot of people because I lost base of who I am in the process of doing that. And uh, I'm sure I let some of my following down that way when I wasn't intending to, but rest assured, there's always a silver lining and a positive to everything. And that's just the way I like to look at life. Even though that happened, a lot of guys could be upset and sour about it. Instead, I'm not. I'm I'm looking at it in a good in a good way because I feel like a big burden and a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. You know, like I'm able to to be myself again and not have to worry about what I say or who I might offend, and and really speak frank, which is what I feel like the hunting community really needs more of. It needs more people who are being real in front of you and not telling you what you want to hear to make you feel better or to make you buy their product, but just being real with people because that's the genuine part of of the hunting community that was been lost is that people forgot what it was like to be genuine they forgot what it was like to be real with someone it's not about making the dollar you know what i mean i know it is when you're making product but it's about helping people that's you know and i'm sure that's that i know that's why andre got into designing stands in the first place you know to aid other people and you know it got lost I haven't told this to anybody. So your, your listeners are hearing this for the first time. And so are you guys like, you know what I mean? It just, it is what it is, right? You know, what can you do? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I don't, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, I mean, obviously that sucks, but it's not, I don't think that uncommon of a tale. I mean, you No, it's not (laughs) surprising. That's the thing is like, I, it's not surprising. Here's the crazy thing. It, it shocked me, but at the same time, I wasn't shocked because I've heard from so many people talk about these horror stories that you hear, you know, being involved in the industry and, and giving up their time and their dedication, you know, doing it for free, you know, or, or, you know, whatever else it is, because let's be honest, you know what I mean? Like the discount is nice, right? But like, you're not going to buy stuff every single year. You're not going to just keep buying a tree stand again and again and again, like, you know, your at some point, your time is more valuable than what the company is willing to give back to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, but you're expendable. You know what I mean? Because there's a hundred other, and this is the shame part of it. And I, I, I really wish more guys would wake up to this. The shame part of it is there's a hundred guys willing to do the same thing and sell their soul. And they won't stand on principles. They'll let people walk on them. They'll let people talk to them disrespectfully. They'll let people do whatever they're going to do. And, 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 and they're almost surprised later. Like when it happens, like they wake up one day from the fog, like why, you know, like I'm just another, and, and here's the thing. These people know that and they're on to the next person. All what you did means nothing. Cause you've already done for them. 
Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I was talking to my wife today about it. Like you've already done your obligation to them. Those promises or those things that they might've told you or whatever, like they don't feel they need to fulfill that obligation. They got what they wanted from you. And, and that's, that's tearing our community apart. That's tearing the hunting industry apart. That's why so many of us see through the snakiness of everything. And not by all means am I saying that the DeQuistos are snaky. That's not what I mean. I just mean in general as a whole. Because like I said, the DeQuistos have, have been great friends of mine. And, and, and you know, leaving Lone Wolf Custom Gear, they did not want me to leave Custom Gear. They asked me, you know, uh, they hoped that I wouldn't leave. I just felt obligated to because I felt like I felt disrespected in such a way that I don't think I would ever let another man disrespect me that way. You know what I'm saying? And still remain a part of something and feel like I was a part of something, like I was wanted, like I was appreciated, you know, and you don't got to go out of your way to, you know, roll out the red carpet for somebody, but you know, but damn, you know what I mean? They're there. We have to start treating each other a lot better than that. You know, pro staff used to mean something back in the day. Pro staff now means a 10, 15% discount and you're doing all these promo. Like that's not what pro staff was back in the day. Like, you know what I mean? These companies don't even send you free gear anymore. You know, most of the time to advertise for them because they're gaining from your following and your, your words and, and you know, your own, and when your loyalty comes in check, you know what I mean? Like I said, you know, when, and messaged me and basically told me like lose my number don't ever talk to me again and then and said he was questioning my loyalty like anyone who's ever followed me on social media knows that i'm i'm probably one of the most loyal people that you're ever going to meet and when you turn and, and question that when you know the whole hunting community knows that i went to bat for you numerous times over like you know and i don't it's not that i regret it it's just i regret doing it for the person that i did it for because the disrespect I got and it's sad there, it's not the only company you guys, you guys know this, you, you know, you're working with gear and, and everything else. Like it seems to be more commonplace than, than, uh, than not common. Oh yeah. And I, and I was going to say the, if you're on the enough pages, you know, I'd say stay away from saddles. But that's, but that's, listen, that's, that's my that's the biggest thing like and and if you know adam i think you're a member of mobile hunters united aren't you yeah yeah okay you know this specifically i don't care if you hunt from a saddle bro i don't care if you hunt from the b stand i don't care if you hunt from out on the limb that doesn't matter to me you still have something to offer the community if you know what you're talking about if you have knowledge you know there's participation and even for those who don't Asking those questions goes a long way into helping other people. It's not about what brand gear you use. It's not about that you wear Sitka over First Light or everybody has their own preference. Okay. And it, we're all different individuals. So things fit our need differently. But when did we get to such a point that we degrade one another over what we choose to use or that makes us less of a hunter? Like we've lost touch. Like we've lost touch with what it's really about. It's not about that. It's not about disrespecting each other. You know what I mean? It's about coming together as a community to help one another. That's what these forums were designed for. Yeah. I think, you know, from, from you, you're coming from like a place where 
and and we talked about this with Dan not long ago, but you're coming from a place where it was, you know, on the beast forum. These forums were a place for the the hardcore guys to hang out and have a respectful conversation about, you know, about whatever gear tactics, but it was about ultimately, like you said, you know, using your words, the nuts and the bolts of it. Like it was a, the, the brass tacks of the, the. Knowing the, the that tactics. new hunters were and but knowing that new hunters were learning too, though, it wasn't like we, like, yes, we were talking cause we love whitetails and it was almost like, we're just talking right now. You know what I mean? Like that's what it, it was about. But at the same time, we knew there was so many new people that were, that were soaking up this information like a sponge and we were trying to get into the fine details of, you know, because it's easy to say, find the fresh sign and set up on it. Well, what the hell does that really mean? I mean, you hear, and, and that's the thing. So many guys regurgitate what they heard, but it's not regurgitated because it's what they saw. It's regurgitated because so-and-so heard it and they've heard it so many times because they're on five different forums that, it, that a guy will answer a question but he's never killed the deer in that scenario one bit, but he's the first guy to give you advice on how you should kill this deer in this scenario. But you, but you don't really know though. You're only repeating what somebody else told you. You haven't really done it yourself. You know, how are you going to give somebody what late season tactics are if you've never killed the deer or mature buck in late season? How, how are you able to be able to do that? You know, we've got to such a point that, you know what I mean? And, I, and I'm not trying to bust nobody's balls here, but these forums weren't, were designed for people to act respectful to one another. They were designed for guys to learn. These forums weren't designed for guys to get on and be assholes to one another. That's not what they were created for. They were designed to unite hunters. They were designed for us to, all of us meet in a common threaded area that we all have a love and passion for. And to respect each other's progress where wherever we're at, whether we've never killed a deer, we just picked up a new bow, or we've killed 25 Pope and Young animals. It didn't matter. It was a place where everyone could fit in. And and it's it's changed now. Well, I think be- it's, before, like from the from the forum type, you know, the, like from the forum to like Facebook or whatever, there and, and this is just my 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 thought process though is like it was like there was a barrier of entry you had to actually be seeking out the information so you had to have put your time in like to go online and look for hunting information on a well, it's place almost like you were hunting yourself you know <laughs> what i mean you're hunting for the information right and so now the the opposite is true where all, you know, you're getting requests like, hey, you should be in this group. You should be in this group. People are trying to get their numbers up for this group. They want more people. Well, more people means more assholes. And then in that same regard is that there is no, there is no barrier of entry. So, you know, you, you are in all of these groups. And then the marketing is so good, like you've got the, the Jason Campbells of the world that are killing these big deer. He's passionate about his equipment. He's extremely meticulous. He bought, he, this is purpose driven in this stand or this, these sticks or, or whatever, they cost this much money. So you put your hard earned money into this stuff. And then 
you know, most importantly, your time and your belief, you know what I mean? Cause it, here's the thing, dude, I never, and I've told you guys this before when we, you know, we, we've talked before this, I don't endorse anything and I would never go out of my way to ever lead somebody down an incorrect road and say, you should use this when it's not good equipment. I would never do that because I don't want to mislead the public. I felt like I was actually a part of something that was growing the hunting community. You know what I'm saying? Like a part of an organization that was, was, was there to help. Like I wanted to be a part of something bigger than that. You know what I'm saying? And when you come to the realization that dude, you're just a turd in a punch bowl. Like, you know what I mean? Like your passion and, and, and your love for hunting and, and your willingness to share you know, it gets lost upon people feeling, you know, egos get in the way, except, you know, stuff like that. Like, and I'm a passionate guy, you know, I'll be honest with you. Like sometimes people can take me the wrong way because I'm a very blunt kind of person. I'll just, I say it how I see it. And sometimes that's not the tactful way to do it, you know, and that's something I'm a work in progress on. You know what I mean? I'm trying to learn, but you know, most guys can tell you this. They've had many encounters with me online. Like, dude, I'm a, I'm a pretty fair and even keel kind of guy. Like I'm, I'm willing to help anybody. Matter of fact, there isn't one person that will ever be able to tell you that if they message me that I've not taken the time out an hour out of my day, two hours out of my day to not talk with them, to not share with them. And that could be just, maybe they're depressed about missing a big buck. Maybe they're, they haven't seen a whole lot of deer, whatever it is. But to lift them, their spirits up or be positive or, 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 or take the time out of my hunting season or my day away from my family or whatever else to, to encourage them or to point them in the right direction. I mean, you talked about Tori, you know, Tori and I talk every single day. You know, I, I, I've, you know, I, I've become to be pretty good friends with them, you know, over the over the last probably season. And, you know, he's bouncing ideas off me and, and I've always answered them like no matter how, you know, you know, and I don't want, and it's not the case, but just hypothetically, like if I thought the question was absurd, it didn't matter. I still took the time to answer it. Like, cause there's no stupid question. You know, these people wouldn't be asking if they had the answers, they wouldn't be coming to you. You know, that's a sign of respect. That's a sign of, 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 uh, admiration that somebody is, is, is it takes a lot as men sometimes to bury, you know, our emotions to ask for help. You know, we don't want to ask for help. Like we can do it on our own kind of thing. And there's a lot of men that are out there, but there's a lot of men that are out there that say, you know what? Pride don't matter to me. I just want to learn. I, I just want to like, what are you doing that I'm not doing? Like, what am I missing that, that, you know, you know, and they'll explain their situations. I don't care who it is. I always take the time out for that person, you know, and that's what it was supposed to be about, you know, not just smiling in front of the public's eye you know, to gain more viewers, uh, you know, to, to be a gentleman in front of public, but be an asshole behind people's backs. You know, that's, that's to me, that's not how it's supposed to be, you know, and I got to admit, I'll, I'll admit, I'll be the first person right here to tell you that you loot when you get in it so deeply and so passionately, and you think that you're doing good nature, it's very easy to lose what you got into it in the first place for. I never once ever said like, I'm doing this to be famous. Like, I don't care if I have a hundred thousand followers or if I have a thousand, I'm going to be the same exact person that I was when I started it. And that's what I, I started gravitating more 
towards that. I mean, I voiced my opinion numerous times about, you know, and guys even said, like, we thought you guys were just bullshitting because most of the staff on Mobile Hunters United were Lone Wolf Custom Gear guys. And they thought, man, we're going to talk about the beast stuff. And, man, we're, our, our comments are going to get deleted in this. If you weren't disrespectful and you talked about knowledge and tactics or you talked about, you know, how much you like the stand, you never once seen that. And in fact, I engaged with those people and, and talked with them, not in a demeaning manner to poke fun at them, but really to talk about why they like the stand and what features about it or or respected their opinions. And like there should be more of that going on out there. You know, I mean, the fact that we all have a choice and there's so many choices out there available for us, like as consumers, we're benefiting from that. We're benefiting from these guys that are coming out with these crazy ideas and whether whether or not somebody's playing off of somebody else's idea or not, if it brings something else to the table that helps 10 other hunters be better hunters, shouldn't we be applauding that? Why should we be why should we be tearing people down for it? Well, I think I, I just I, don't agree. I think as soon as people spend their money, they just want to they want to champion that cause. They don't they don't want to be made to feel stupid like they you know for somebody to tell them that they picked the wrong horse, you know. Adam <laughs> they the reason why is cuz they've been conditioned to feel like they have to choose a side. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they've been conditioned to feel like they have to choose a side when, why do you have to choose a side? You know what I mean? Like it's, it really, the great thing about hunting is that we're not in competition with each other. We're in competitions with ourselves and the animals that we chase. It's, it's you versus nature. It's not you versus somebody else. If you're hunting to be a better hunter than the next guy, like you're doing it for the wrong reasons, you should set forth your own personal goals and shouldn't be in competition. You know, like these guys that feel, you know, they feel like they have to apologize for a buck they killed because they're afraid of being shamed because he's not a 150 inch buck or he's not, he's not, you know, uh, you know, a, a Pope and young animal, but it's his biggest buck to date. And this guy is thrilled and he's posting about it and you know how it is. The next 50 comments, 25 of those are going to be should have passed him, only two and a half, always only one and a half. Like, you just rained all over that guy's parade for what? You know what I mean? Do you feel better as a person? Like, that guy just probably his first year, maybe it was his 10th year, it was his first buck ever. He's happy as could be, and you just ruined his experience. That wasn't what forums were designed for. You know, and I know we have a ton of guys that get on there to brag. And that's what they're doing it for. Like, they're, you know, they, the guy, you know, posts a picture of his buck. And then you got four or five other guys in that thread that post their biggest bucks that happen to be bigger than that guy's for what? Because they want to steal the thread. It's not about that. You know, we've, we've lost, you know, and in society as a whole, like we, we know that road is going down. But in the hunting world, we're, we're all relatively the same as far as our passion that we share and, and what we're trying to do. You know, just because we're at different levels, that doesn't necessarily mean anything to me. But but the disrespect of one another, the 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 lack of 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 respect over what somebody chooses to hunt with or, you know, or or the stigma that, you know, well, I'm a Sitka guy or or whatever, or I'm a saddle hunting guy. Like, you know, I mean, how many times do you see a guy say I'm in the market for a new hang on in sticks 
and the guy and the first five comments are your boy we should have brought a saddle like <laughs> the guy didn't say what saddle should i buy he asked for what stand should i buy like you know what i mean it, it just it gets sidetracked so so damn easy and you know and i've done the shows you know what i mean i went to the shows with lone wolf custom gear i've sat there with andre de Cristo and with a lot of the guys and sat in awe at some of these guys that are super famous because you I mean you know you see them on the shows and the tv and they're big buck killers and 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 most of them are awesome people you get to pick their brains and and ask them questions and they're super approachable but there's also this this nasty side of it too there's also this like you know like i don't know i don't like i don't know how to say it without offending people but it's it's almost like a, a keeping up with the joneses people walk around with their heads stuck in the clouds like they're better than the next guy and don't you realize that the people that are coming to this show to see you are admiring you and respecting you and, and you're really not even giving them the time of the day i mean it, and it's it's showed in the forums too you know i mean like these guys you see on tv like you know you would think like that they would they would be more respectful of their following. They would be more respectful of the people that they have working for them, that they're asking, you know, to, to go out of their way to develop, you know, dedicate their time and their energy to, to their cause. And, and we're repaying them with, with disrespect. Like, you know, I, I don't know, man, it just doesn't seem right to me. You yeah. know, and that's what I, I love about you guys because you guys don't aren't really a specific brand oriented you'll try a, numerous different things because you're in it for the right reasons you're in it to find what works best for you and once you find what works best for you like that's what you're going to stick with well you know and, what i mean it ain't about who's is who you know well i think i think that's john i think john's looking for his his perfect thing and i think i'm looking at it from like what uh, out, what's out next well <laughs> but but there so the, the thing is, is like, you know, when, when you talk about, I mean, that's, that's how I started talking to Tori is that like, you know, people, people pose questions all the time about this or that. And like, if you ever notice, like when I answer anybody, I just say, all right, I sent you a message. And then I ask them questions. I'm like, why are you looking at this one or this one? Or what have do you have experience with? What's your level of ability? Now I don't give hunting advice, generally speaking, because I mean, I'm not the authority on that, but I, as far as like trying out gear, we have the ability to try out, you know, basically anything that we want to. And, and, and I enjoy seeing what's coming out because I like, I, don't, I definitely do not like the drama, but I like being the smartest guy in the room. So I, I like having the experience with everything to kind of be able to say, well, the difference between those two is this, or, you know, so that I can give somebody the correct right, information. Might not be just the smartest dude in the room, but like, okay, well, this is what you're looking for. Then you might want to look at that one. Right. You know, you got the experience with all of them and well, that's and, not and just. That's, uh, right. But here's the thing. You're versed in that and you're able to do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, so if somebody come to you and I'm just giving a for instance, but they said, listen, I'm in the market for a hang on. Uh, I, I, I picked out two of them. I want a DeQuisto 0.5 or I'm looking at the B stand. If you've only owned the B stand, 
you can't really give an opinion on the custom gear stand or vice versa. Right. Like you're not well versed to be answering that question when somebody poses it to. Now, what you can do is talk about all the features of the stand if you enjoyed it, talk about the pros, talk about the cons. And here's the thing. Too many people are too afraid to talk about the cons. Right. Like that's the real important thing of the matter. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're out for a tree stand, sure, if you're if, if you're a Lone Wolf Custom Gear affiliate, like you're not going to talk about the cons of the stand. You're going to talk about all the positive points of the stand because you're trying to sell a stand. But when you're someone who's giving advice to somebody, it shouldn't really be about that. Even if you're trying to sell somebody, you should make them aware of, listen, like, you know what, this stand, if you're a sitter, this point five might not be for you, man, because it's 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 more of a quick hitter. It's more for a, or a smaller guy. You might want to double up the seat pad. You know, how far do you hike back in? You should give the cons of the stand just as much as you're willing to give the pros because that's what's going to ultimately make that guy want to buy your stand or not. Whether or make his choice on the stand is when he hears the cons and people are real with them instead of just saying, it's the best stand that you're ever going to hunt with. Well, man, we know that every stand has cons. You know what I mean? We know every saddles, whether they want to admit it or not. Sorry, saddle guys, but there's some cons to it too. You know, I mean, like every stick has its pros and cons. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's really dependent upon what your needs are. So I applaud a guy like you, Adam, that's, you know, maybe not so much, you know, particular gear like a hang-on stand, but gear related enough to get your hands on as much stuff that you can answer those questions, you know, cause that's the same thing I do when somebody posts a question and said, I'm in the market for a new bow. What bow should I buy guys? And my first thing is, is like, dude, none of us can answer that question because you got to go and shoot them all. What are you looking for? Like, is it feel? Is it draw? Is it, you know, speed? Is it smooth? Like there could be a million things that you're looking for and really, you're going to shoot five to 10 different new bows out and the bow is going to tell you which one is yours. Right. That's, You're going to feel it and draw it, you know? That's what I tell everyone. I mean, I've said it, I don't know how many times, like what you should do is have all the bows painted black and you can't tell what freaking, you know, yes. of course, look at them like, but their name shouldn't be on them. Just go pick a bow and shoot it. Yes. See how it feels. And then go from yeah. there. I don't care if it's Matthews, yep. Bowtech, whatever, you know, everyone's exactly. got their name, you know. But They're all good bows. All of them are good bows, you right. know what I mean? Like, they're all really good bows, but it's what you, you know, if, you know, like, and I'll give you another for instance. Like, if it's boots, well, how often do you hunt? Because if, if you're a guy that only gets a week off of hunting season and, and, and you hunt, like, say, during the rut time, and you're only going to put a, a week's worth of, of, of hunting on them, and, and maybe it's your just agriculture terrain. Well, maybe you don't need the kind of boot that a guy who hunts every single day needs that's going to hold up to the wear and tear, you know, that from walking in swamp water or, or something of other nature. But without knowing all of those particulars, how can you really get a guy to where he needs to be to answer his question? You know what I mean? Right. without but but you will you'll see a million guys post on there well oh, you need to buy the danners or you need to buy well why what about them though you know what i mean and that's what the forums and and to me the companies have gotten away from they've gotten away from educating the people on and letting them have their own choice yeah they're just it's all about like the exactly it's but you know to me a product sells itself 
you know, and that was the biggest thing with Lone Wolf Custom Gear is that product sells itself. Anybody that's put their hands on one and has actually been able to use one or been to a show, they can see the advantages that it holds over a lot of different other stands out there. But that doesn't mean that that guy that's holding it, those advantages are what he's looking for. He might be looking for something different for an advantage, like maybe a better seat, like the M, you know, the Millennium stands have really comfortable seats. Maybe it's not about having the most lightweight, or maybe it's budget-friendly or whatever else. But you, you, people know what they want when they're going in for it. They don't need you to sell them on it. Right. What they need you to do is give them the give them the honest truth about the stand. Tell them if what kind of warranty it's got. Tell them show them how it can be utilized you know you know ask them what kind of hunting they're going to be doing that that sort of thing you know and it's become less about the educational part and the the respect quality between amongst men and women than it has it, it's it's it now it's about like you've got to feel like you got to pick a, a, a side you know you know we're segregated into you know who you know and that's why i always love those guys that get on there and post and they're just like who cares what you use right who cares what get bow you're hunt. shooting who cares what arrow you're yeah go <laughs> out and hunt and, and 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 share some useful tactics with us that are going to help me be a better hunter right you know, speaking of what that tree though, stand i use ain't making me a better hunter <laughs> but here's one of the questions i always ask though what bow are you shooting <laughs> what bow okay, are you shooting so right i'll now? be I will be honest with you, you know, when I was affiliated with Lone Wolf Custom Gear, you know, um, they have their own bow. It's called a low bow. It's made by Darton. And what most people don't understand before anybody knocks it or anything else, Darton pretty much owns the patents on all the bows that get manufactured made anymore. Like pretty much nine out of 10 bows you pick up was a Darton patent at some, that's where Darton had made their money. And I, I just heard here recently that, that somebody bought them out. Black uh, they're under new ownership. Yeah, yeah, they're they're under new ownership. So I'm sure that's probably going to change a little bit. And, and I'm not sure if the owner, original owner of Darton is going to continue to do what he was doing or not. But, you know, they had a Lobo pulled out. And at the time, I had bought a Matthews D2 two years before that. I got it brand new off the shelf. I shot all the bows. And that was the bow that I chose. Like, I, I love that bow. Andre had came to me and said, hey, you know, I, you got to check this bow out. And, uh, and I said, okay, you know, I went and checked it out, seen it in person and drew it a few times. Felt great. Like it really did. Loved it. Um, and uh, I shot that for two years. And and listen, it's a great bow. I, I love the bow. Um, but I'll be honest with you, you know, and, and, and I'll be honest with the public. Like it's up for sale right now because of the situation that happened. Like it's just a really bad reminder to me of a, of a bad situation and I'm, I plan on shooting my Matthew Z2 again. I love that bow. I'm going to go back to it. I mean, I'm actually excited about like, I've actually been, oh, I'm going to draw blood with this thing again. Like, I missed it, you know, and, and loved it. Now, the, there was no knock on the Darton bow. That bow was a great bow. Like, right. it really is. If you're if you're looking for a smooth bow, adjustable draw, everything, like, there is no performance knocks with this bow whatsoever. For me, it was just, I'm not brand affiliated anymore. I'm not with Lone Wolf Custom Gear. I'm not with you know, white tail addiction. So I don't need to be seen in every single shot, taking a photo with their bow or their brand. It's not about that for me anymore. I'm going to go back to doing what I wanted to do. I'm going to go back to doing what I love to do. And it didn't matter about what the brand was. It's what worked for me. Right. You know, I still shoot a whisker biscuit guys. Like I'll be honest with you. I know I'm behind the times, but like it's simple and it works like, 
You know what I mean? For it's for me. So you know, that's just how I feel. Right. So what you said you shot that buck down in Indiana full uh, frontal, yeah. and you're shooting fixed blades. So what's your arrow setup and weight and stuff like that? Okay, so I'm gonna be honest, boys. I'm not a big ranch fairy heavy FOC kind of guy. Um, I shoot um, the the arrow that I used last year. I've been using it for the last two years. Um, is a gold tip, um, and I believe it's like nine point eight grains per square inch or ten point two, twenty seven inch draw, and I use a hundred grain fixed head. You know, I paper tune my bow. Um, and I think I'm shooting just under 400, I want to say. And maybe a slightly over. I never weighed it, but I'm just saying guesstimated. I'm anywhere from 390 to 415. I've never had an issue if you paper tune your bow and, and you know, shoot your fixed blade broadheads after, you know, sighting in with your, your, your target tips, you know, sighting it. I mean, if you hit them where you're supposed to, I've never not had a pass through with them. And I shot that deer full frontal. You know what I mean? Right. right square through the neck, you know, and went right out the other side of them, you know, just on the outside of the off shoulder with a striker V2 under grain broadhead, you know, a brand new one, obviously. I mean, it was, it was there, but you know, I switched broadheads this year. I'm actually going to shoot the iron wheels. Um, and, and that's really, to be honest with you, that's mainly out of performance from what I've seen from them. I mean, the warranty is phenomenal. They're the sharpest broadhead on the market. And, you know, I'm, a simple guy. Like I believe that, you know, a des sometimes design can overcomplicate the situation. I'm really about maximum penetration without, you know, going crazy and building a 650 grain arrow and shooting a freaking broadhead, the size of a truck. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like for me, it's really about just a, a setup that works as right. long as I can tune it in. That's really all that matters to me. So that now I'll get, you know, my broadhead wasn't no good when it come out the other side of it. I ain't going to lie to you. Like, it was tore to shreds, but, I mean, it did the job. Now, were those single bevel or were those a double? The, one uh, the iron wheels? Yeah. The, so the or iron, you're talking to strikers. Yeah. The, the iron, iron wheels are single bevels. Right. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. know, that, well, you the, ones you, I, the one that I got, yeah. You said but you're the, not a ranch striker, fairy guy, but that's leaning towards. <laughs> well, but it, no, it's not really, though, because I'm not. I'm still shooting a hundred grain tip, bro. You know right. what I mean? I don't have a heavy FOC, you know, and, and listen, I'm not even saying that that, because there's many benefits to shooting a heavier arrow. It's quieter. Like, I mean, there's a you know, it obviously penetration, you know, that I got nothing against that. And I'm not saying that if a guy, obviously the biggest part of it to me is really about shooting and knowing your equipment. Right. If you're confident and you're shooting, you know, yeah, you can't be going out and shooting a needle at a deer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying it won't kill him, but you're going to run into some problems. Right. But, but I also tell you that a friend of mine got into that heavy, you know, high, heavy front, you know, FOC thing and, and built this big old arrow and everything else and purposely took a frontal on a mature buck in Michigan because quote unquote, now, I've never done the research. I'll be honest with you. I've never even watched a ranch free video. I know of him because obviously if you're on social media, like everybody's talking, you know, it's just like saddles. Like, oh, you're not shooting a ranch fairy arrow? Like, oh, you're not a hunter. Like, you know, so like, yeah, well, I tell you, boys, I got a bunch of bucks on my wall and, and I ain't never shot one of those before. So, but, but either way, he shoots one on, in perp, on, on, you know, on the purpose in the front shoulder and says, because it's got all these arteries that go through it. 
boys, he didn't get that buck. I'm just going to tell you right now. And, and he only got about four or five inches of penetration out of it. Hit it right square in the front shoulder. And he, and I told him, I said, what the hell were you doing aiming at the front shoulder? He's like, oh, I was going to blow right through it. I'm like, dude, you got to stop watching those videos. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that it can't happen, but I'm saying like, why wouldn't you still pocket him? Right. Like, that, you know, and I, I and, and the, the only reason I'm telling the story is because I feel like guys are looking that. for a way to get past a bad shot instead of, you know, you went through all that time to sight your bow in. you went through all that time to figure out how your arrow flew. You paper tuned it. You, you know, I mean, you got this thing shooting darts at 40 yards and then you don't pocket one. Right. Like, dude, there's no, there's no excuse to me. You know what I mean? It's, it's really still about hitting the animal in the right spot. Yeah. You know, I've, you know, we talked to the ranch fairy and everything. He's, he's, you know, he's a character and, and, oh, yeah. and, and some yeah. of the stuff, I mean, it, a lot of it makes sense. I mean, but a lot of that stuff is, you know, we went over this too, is, you know, that's, that's like, it's been around forever. It's the recurve stuff. It's trad, you know, trad guys yes. didn't have the speed. So they had to, you know, make up, you know, the difference by shooting a heavy head that's going to help you know pull that arrow through and straighten it out so right i've never you know i've never even measured my foc i know i mean i'm you know i'm 6'3 235 i shoot a freaking 31 inch draw link so i have to shoot a big arrow you know it's just well, right, my, my right. bow has to have a, a big heavy arrow and and the the bigger and the heavier it is the more forgiving it is to also so you know, I'm not looking for super speed. I'm just looking for something that shoots good. It's forgiving. And it just happens to be, you know, my arrow's like right. 560 grains, but, you know. You can't well, get around well, it. I don't, right. Listen, exactly. here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But, he, you know, I always pose this question to guys, and I always get like a silence for a minute before they go to think the answer. And you can always tell you kind of stumped them a minute when that happens. But how many, uh, how many, um, uh, Indian heads do you find on the ground that are 200 grains? <laughs> yeah. I, I, mine are like right in the same amount as uh, the sheds that I have, like one. But you know <laughs> what I'm just, saying yeah. though? But, yeah, but no, I'm saying like when you, when a guy finds, you know, it, it, you know, the, the old style of them Indian, you know, heads on the ground, dude, they're little, they're not big and giant. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So like, and I'm not saying that that's, that we can't perfect on something, but I'm saying, dude, it was killing deer for them for years and years and years. They did it to survive. They didn't do it for sport. They did it to survive. Right. Like, you know what I mean? So it's really all about the setup and how well you shoot them and where you hit them at. You know, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that I believe that Indians really did try to harvest their animals as quick as they could. But, bro, they were going home with me. Like, you know what I mean? If that meant 10 in the ass, that's how many he was going to get. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it was getting it. Like, they tried, but, you know, I mean, it happens. It's bull hunting, you know. And, and you know, what, when Mechanicals first came out, this is what happened. This, this huge thing with Mechanicals craze because the Mechanicals with these two-inch cuts. And, you know, if you make a bad shot on them. And it, well, dude, I mean, we single-handedly have, like, up dog tracker jobs just in bow hunting alone in the last, like, 10 years it's something crazy because guys don't want they still don't they're looking for an easy button and i'm gonna tell you something it's the same thing with with having these podcasts and it really is what it really boils down to if y'all are looking for an easy button there's no such thing no like the easy button is going to pay for a hunt and having somebody wheel a deer into you that's the easy button 
but even then you still got to know your equipment and got to shoot. But I'm saying like, it takes work. It takes time. You have to be patient. You know, you have to develop skill. You have to practice with your bow. You have to be out in the woods and, and learning, you know, your in season scouting is 20 times more important to me than postseason because your in season scouting is telling you what the deer are doing right now. Right. Postseason told you what the deer were doing before. You know, like, but you're wanting to know what it's going to be like when you're killing them, when it's time to hunt them. So that, like, that's great and all, and it can lead to a lot of many things. Finding a shed is great, but really a shed only tells you where a deer was now. And we all know that during this time of the year, when deer drop in their sheds, it's all about survival. They don't have adequate food just all over and abundant everywhere. They're clustered up and trying to survive. They're trying to beat the winter out until greener pastures come and, and the food sources become available again. Like, you know what I mean? People get caught up in a lot of stuff because, you know, like, you know, because it, it's cool to do. And, and I get that. I'm not trying to raid on anybody's parade here and whether they're shed hunting or whatever. But if you're really trying to get the knowledge that's going to kill these big bucks, you're really trying to figure out, ask the right questions and don't look for an easy response because there really isn't an easy response. And don't look for a one size fits all shoe for it because there's a hundred different factors that are going to go into it that could go down 10 different roads. It's right. like a tributary to a stream. You know what I mean? There's branches everywhere that can lead you to, you know, wherever you want to go, but you can get sidetracked easy. It's not that hard, but it all pertains to one another. It all helps us. You know, that's, you know, that's why I love these podcasts that you guys do and everybody else. And I listen to them is because different people put a different spin on it. So other people can understand, but then sometimes people get real deep into the real intimate details of it that, that bring a topic to light. That's really super important that most people are bypassing or they take for granted. Like, I'll be honest with you when I'm walking in the woods and I got a guy with me, that's more newer to hunting. I had to train myself to stop and show him what instantly hit my brain. And I had a thought and I was still walking on instead of sharing it and saying like, Oh, that means this, like, this is why I'm going to go this way instead of go that way. Or this is why that, you know, I, I want to stop and, and look at this area a little more. There were little telltale signs here that, that gave him in, in the, there could be a hundred different ones of those. You know what I mean? Right. And so if guys want to get a hold of you or whatever to to have you help out or come scout their property or, you know, I mean, you, you may have 150 people calling you just to pick your brain. So I don't necessarily want to put that out there. But so, I mean, how can people it's get a hold okay, of you? Because I honestly, I answer them all, Adam. I ain't going to lie. You know <laughs> what I mean? Even if I do, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I apologize. I got to go in sequence. So like, you know, but, you know, I, I'm still on Facebook. I'm still on Instagram. Um, you know, the best way to be honest with you is I think I have my phone number on my from bed to dead page. A lot of guys look at me like I'm crazy for that, but I really do want to help. You know what I mean? And I really don't turn anybody away. Like that's the biggest thing. I, I mean, sometimes I can't get to them. Like we were going to do this podcast yesterday and like I, sometimes things come up, but like I, I, I want to dedicate my time. So I'm, I'll be there, but just shoot me a message. Like I'll answer it. You know, it might take me, uh, you know, a couple hours or so. Um, you know, I got a, a big family. So like, you know, I'm here a lot with them and I got a little guy that's, he just turned a year in December that keeps me on my toes. But like, 
I will get to it. So just shoot me a message. You can even message the page at From Bed to Dead um, or on Instagram, send me a message or whatever. You know, send me a, you know, a, 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 even if it's a map or whatever. And like I said, I'll always take time out. You know, information is free, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like having a talk with somebody costs some money. It's just going to cost you some time. Right. Right. Well, I can't wait to see, like, what's what's next for you. I mean, it sucks that everything is you know, kind of, kind of come to this, but you know, like you said, everything, you, dude, everything, you got to look gotta, at the positives, yeah, man. Yeah. You got to look at the positives from it. Like I'm not, listen, here's the thing. I'm not asking for pity from nobody. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast, right? You know what I mean? Like that's just how it is, you know, but the, you got to look at the positives. And like I said, the, the positives are, I still am able to chase these magnificent animals and be in the chess game with them. You know, I, I still have my health to me. Thank goodness. And, and, and I'm still able to help people that are, are, are wanting it and, and be able to go through, you know, uh, to ask me a, a question or, or whatnot. And I'm still going to produce content on a from bed to dead page. Like my Indiana hunt will be on there. I shot two other bucks in Michigan. Those will be on there. You know, Kenny Krugler off one of our pro staff, he had a hell of a year this year. He shot two slammers. You know, one buck that I'm telling you right now, I mean, if you, I don't know if you guys seen the pictures of it, but that deer was, it looks like a big old Canadian moose. Like, I mean, it just, the body in this thing was huge. Uh, buck that we had many trail cam photos of and was shot three quarters of a mile away from the last camera photo we got of him. And that was in season scouting midday. Like, you know what I mean? Going and setting up and, and going in an area and going right in the very next morning and shooting him the next morning at 21 yards. Like, I mean, we, we have some content that's coming out, you know, for everybody. So, you know, and like I said, dude, I'm, I'm no production, you know, if, if, you know, if you're looking to watch like whitetail or, you know, whitetail addictions, uh, you know, they're a bigger production style or you're, you know, like, you know, Curtis Zabel does a phenomenal job at behind the bow. Like I'm not as talented as those guys. We have good editors, but the content is what's important to me in the explanation and the setups and why we hunted where we did what we were looking for. And if you're into that, you know, I will be posting those links and those videos and I ain't asking for follows, but just check it out. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that gets lost in, in, in all of this, and, you know, we didn't necessarily touch on it with the, uh, with the gear stuff, but like that being able to say the, the negatives, like you said, is, kind of what gives you the you know the authenticity and i think the same comes with trying to give the information out there so the information is ultimately you know uh, there are some hunting things that have cool stories and stuff like that but the mm-hmm. the authenticity and the information i mean pretty much trump everything now if it looks pretty that's cool too but i mean right. and, and i'm just saying that because we do a shitty job at youtube also so i mean <laughs> well but the, th- <laughs> the thing of it is though is 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 to be honest with you though like you can't fake passion real passion guys can see through that a million miles away you know what i mean like they could tell by the inflections in your voice they can tell by you know, like, you know, you've heard them that some of the guys got a pod- podcast and they've done a hundred of them. And it's like, rrr, rrr, they're just real monotone. <laughs> like they're, they've lost their passion. They've lost like, you know what I mean? And and me, like, even though I've been fortunate enough to kill a few nice bucks, like 
I'm still excited about the next big buck to kill or, or somebody else's big buck. And I, I still drive down the road, dude. And at 50 miles an hour and I'm like, here, you know what I mean? Like, in the, cause I love, I love whitetails. And I, I, I just, I'm thinking, you know, even though it's not my property, I'm like, Oh, I bet he's betted over there. Like I bet he's, you know, and I bet he's, you know, doing like, but that's just kind of how my brain works. And it's something I love. Like, I love it truly deeply, like down, like, and I'm going to do this as long as I possibly can. Like, you know, I, as, as long as I tell my son all the time, my son's, he, he just turned 15. I'm like, bro, you're going to be carrying me on a wheelchair. Like, and you best be setting me in a good spot. Like I'm setting you like, you know what I mean? Cause like, he, and I'll know the difference. I might be old, but I'll know the difference. Like, but it's, it's, and it's passing, it's passing that same passion down to, to my family and to all those other people uh, you know, and it's like when I do these scouting workshops with people and I sit down with them and I tear their areas apart and we start going through it, dude, that look in their eyes when that moment hits them and it all starts to click. And then that like they start reminiscing about the encounters they had, because I always tell guys like, don't tell me, don't show me your pins on your map. Don't tell me where you saw a big buck or where you like, cause everybody wants to do that first. You know what I mean? They tell me, I said, don't tell me this. Let me break this down to you. And then when we're done, go ahead and share that with me. You know what I mean? Cause I, I want to do it myself first and see how I'm, you know, matching it up with what you've seen without you telling me because it's genuine here. You know, I'm trying to give you real genuine information and, and be, and be real with you. Like if I was going to hunt this, not from some guy who don't really give a shit. He's just going to kind of half-ass you through it. I'm really you know, going to spend six, seven hours here walking with you and tear this place apart if that's what it takes. And then afterwards you tell me, but to see that look in their eyes, like when I start explaining something and they're like, dude, that's exactly what my buck did this year. Like, you know what I mean? And then they, there's a, it instills confidence in them and what they were doing. Like it, it tells them I'm on the right path. Like I just had a couple things that I wasn't doing right, or maybe I was you know accessing it wrong, or I jumped him up out of here. That's why he was here. And and I'm, dude, I don't know everything. You know what I'm saying? I'm still learning too. But but I know enough from the years of hunting that I've had that I have a, a, a little bit of information to be able to share with people and connect with people. You know, and, and being real and genuine is something that is lost to a lot of people. Because it, I'm not selling you a product. You know what I'm saying? I'm not selling you a product that you're going to buy from me. I'm just trying to teach you something that you can take with you and take to any state and be dangerous with. If you perfect this craft and, and, you, and, you, and you really put the time and effort into it, like you can go at any state and, and kill and be successful. You can up your odds to whatever your goals are going to be, whether it's just filling the freezer every year with whatever legal buck walks by you. And if that's what you want to do, I've, I'm more power to you or by potentially holding out for the biggest buck you've ever shot or the best buck in your area every year and successfully have a crack at him. I can't guarantee you're going to kill him, but I guarantee you're going to be on him. And you're and every year that goes by, those bucks are going to be your best teachers, not me. I'm just putting you in the position to learn the real teachers are those bucks walking in the woods, teaching you everything that you need to know by their mannerisms, their behaviors, you know, what they're doing. And, and just when you think you got one figured out and, oh, he was doing the same thing that this other one did, they go ahead and school your ass. <laughs> and then you get, and then you learn something new again. And then, you know what I mean? And, 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 and so it's, it's an, oh, it's always evolving. And, you know, you can take all those encounters 
and start portraying them into your situations that are happening now. And it's going to lead to higher success rings. But I didn't teach you that. You know what I'm saying? Those deer taught you that your time in the woods taught you that your ability to understand why they were doing what they were doing has taught you that I'm just pretty much kind of just pushing you along in the right direction just to get you to that point. And then you're off and running, dude. You know, it's just like training wheels. Like, you know, mom and dad only hold on for so long. And then all of a sudden you're pedaling and you realize they're not holding on no more. And you're either going to crash and get back up and be like, I can do this again. Or you're going to go back to your old ways and mom and dad are going to have to hold you again. Like, I mean, it's just however you want to take it. But, you know, and that's why I say, like, when one door closes, another one opens up. And every year is a new challenge for me. Every buck is different. Every, you know, whether it's 120 inch or 180 inch. And believe me, I, I get taught every year by a couple really old bucks. And, and you know, I get put in my place just when I think I got it figured out. <laughs> they kick my ass, and, you know, and then, and, and I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to say that's the case. You know what I mean? But that's what makes us keep coming back for more, you know? So, you know, and that's, that's kind of, that's kind of like where I'm at right now. Like I, I could sulk about the situation and, 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 and that I feel like I'm in, but man, I'm blessed. Like I'm in a great situation. I get to help people every day. I get to shoot and hunt whitetails and scout and spend time with my family. I'm building a new house right now. And, you know, right now it's kind of rough because with the COVID situation, like, you know, it wasn't like you can go out and just like when we sold our house, like we had to kind of find a place to go and options are limited. You either going to stay in a hotel, which is ridiculously expensive or potentially live with family members, which I have a big family that just wasn't going to work out or live in a camper like I am on a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Until my house is done. You know, but, you know, mid-March, my house is supposed to be done. But, I mean, I could I could be upset about the situation. It could be difficult. We could be at each other's throat cutting. But I choose to be a very positive individual. And so even when when things happen that are out of our control, you have to be willing to let those go because they're not yours to carry. You know what I mean? Those aren't yours to carry. That's out of your control. That someone else has control over that. What you What is in your control is what you're in control over. The minute that you try to control something that's not in your control, you are out of control, my friend. And it's time to let that go instead of carrying that shit around with you. You know, and I don't wish any of those guys ill will. I I, I hope they kill the big, biggest bucks. I hope they get 20,000 views. I hope they get everything that they wanted to get. I, I really do. I, I got nothing ill will for them. Uh, but I, at the same time, I, I do believe that, you know, they're, there's quite a few people. My video had over 10,000 views. Like I, there's going to be people that are going to want to know like what the hell happened? Like, where's Jason at? Like how come he, you know, he was one of the front runners and you know, one of the guys constantly talking about this and, and pushing his content. And all of a sudden, like he's not sharing any of that anymore. He's not on there anymore. Like, and I've already had people message me already said, dude, I was looking for your video the other day and I, I noticed it's gone. Like what happened? You know? And I didn't really want to get into it at the time with them, you know, be, because I'll be honest with you at the first initial part, I wanted to respond out of emotion instead of think about the situation and be like, you know what? Like, it's okay. I, 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 it's, it's what did I learn from the situation and how did it make me better? And like I said, it brought me back to my roots, which is why I got into this in the first place. Well, I appreciate you coming on here and, and, you know, sharing it with us and, and you know, oh, of course, help, guys. helping our listeners, and, and everything, and, you know, I, I appreciate your, you know, continued uh, advice as I 
bumble through the the whitetail woods. So I mean, I'm looking forward to stop, to following stop. along. <laughs> I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't offend you that day you sent me that you know that couple of those pictures, and I was like, I was like, dude, like. Like, I mean, are you got a pattern on these deer? And you were like, well, you know, not. I'm like, well, what are you doing then? Like, what are you over here hunting these deer for then? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why are you wasting your time over? Like, I know that's a good buck, dude. You sent me a hell of a buck. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, you're like, well, I know he's here. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but like, if you're sitting 10 times and you're not really seeing him, but your camera says he's there, like, bro, I mean, like, you know, he's because the piece that you're on is not huge. You know what I mean? So maybe he's not living there. Like, you know, like you're hoping he is, you know what I mean? I know he's, he, it's the passer buyers are hard to kill. You know what I mean? They really are like, cause you, they have no established pattern. You're really just kind of sitting, waiting for him to slip up and make a mistake and, you know, come run into your arrow. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's what you're there for. <laughs> that, 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 that's why I ask you what to do. Uh, I'm, I'm... Yeah, and hey, do I ever not get back to you? I always do. You know, what I mean, but that's that's my thing. And look, dude, I you, you guys know this. Like, I'm I'm not a professional. Okay, like I just love chasing them, and I've 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 messed up enough times that I know what not to do. You know what I mean? Like that's, and I've wasted a lot of t- times chasing deer that that not that they weren't killable, but I didn't have the pieces together, and I I really let go of chasing animals that I did have the pieces together, you know, and could have had a really good season, but I got greedy and was like, Oh man, I, I seen this one buck on camera like three times and he's a mega monster and, and, and it gets the best of you. But then there's also times where I'm like, man, dude, you just had literally, and I say this and people are going to be like, what the hell is he talking about? But like I had a 140, 150 class deer that I had pinned down like that. I could have went in and killed and I chose not to, cause I was going for the gusto. You know what I mean? And sometimes I look back at that and regret it because it's not always like I do. I'm trying to kill the biggest buck I can. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it's also about enjoying yourself. And, and, and though that deer still would have made me happy. You know what I mean? And, and, and sometimes you have to look back and say, I wasted a lot of sits and, and I wasn't really gaining any Intel off of this to be honest with you, except for that's not where the deer was. When I was there, he, he wasn't there. And, and I had other deer that I could have. And, you know, because I have a big family, like, believe me, let me tell you something. My daughter, my son, and my wife, dude, if you all think that they want to shoot a four-point or a six-point or some shit like that, you're out your mind. They want a Pope and Young, too. <laughs> they don't want – like, there's no way that they're going to settle. Like, a 100-inch eight-point comes in, my daughter's looking at me like, come on, Dad. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like you're, you're, you're 18 years old. Like I would have died to shoot a hundred inch buck at 18. And she's like, dad, I've killed two of those already. Like you got me one that's 130. Like, I mean, I'm going to kill one bigger than that. And I'm just like, holy shit. Like, okay. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's hard to do, you know, but, but they're better than I ever was, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, anytime you guys ever need anything for any reasons, like you guys know, like I'm, I'm literally a phone call away. I enjoy shooting the shit with you guys and and being able to contribute in any way i can and i wish the best for bull hunter chronicles every episode you guys do is always a good one so just uh, thankful that you had me on oh no problem appreciate it absolutely boys all right john have uh, fun in florida my man oh i will I'm, uh, I'm, I'm freezing right now this garage is freaking cold now so 
<laughs> I'll, I'll be ready to go to the heat. <laughs> well, make sure you're quiet when you slip in the house, okay? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm going to sneak in. <laughs>